0: <laughs> no,
1: don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't. don't do that. <laughs> um, well, there we go. That was the Waller. We recorded all the different laughs hey. that we can use in the edit. Brilliant. There hey, we are. There we are. Hey, you bunch of sexy fuckers. Welcome. Hey. A big Damn Quace, nerdy news, geeky gossip, or something pre-recorded to fill in for the week, because someone's got a busy week. Something pre-recorded, um,
2: I think you'll find.
1: Yeah, that's where we are. Uh, we are touching back on, you can see it in the title and the thumbnail, the X-Men series. We're diving yeah. right back in. Thanks, Ian, you bastard. X-Men, so, <laughs> the next three. The next ones. I am uh, I am Chris, if you didn't have that mouth on you, you'd be the perfect soldier. Johnson. <laughs>
2: And I am Matthew Perfection Watson.
1: <laughs> yes, you are, you beautiful boy. Um, Before we kick
2: off, uh, you went to the cinema yesterday. I, we finally uh vent- wrapped ourselves up in uh protective Has equipment and
1: ventured to the cinema. Did uh, you wear the big condoms from Naked Gun? <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> um cut out little eye holes so you can see the film
2: <laughs> uh we went to the printworks view in manchester to see Ooh. bill and ted face the music um holy shoot
1: thoughts so on the
2: experience thoughts on the experience
1: um because you could because you, if you if you if you want you could record a quick review upload it to the youtube i'll do a thumbnail we'll put it out there i could but i'm not gonna do that Fair enough. That either means good things or very bad things. No, okay. it doesn't it's, um, it's wh-
2: not it's not it's not a reflection on the quality of the film. Um <laughs> it's just something I'm not going to do. Uh, so He shan't
1: commit because he needs to have a shit. Um, uh, yes.
2: Uh, and yeah. other things as well. Uh, so
1: I don't did like get, going get, out
2: in public right now.
1: Yeah, did you did you drive there? So you were in your own, own self contained hazmat vehicle.
2: We wanted to go to the Lowry one because yep. they have the individual seats, mm-hmm. individual recliners, so it's much more spaced out. But the Lowry one wasn't showing Bill and Ted Face the Music and it wasn't showing anything that I actually want to watch.
1: Um, mm. Was it a lot of older films? Sorry? Sorry, I was talking through a wall of dairy milk. Um, was it a lot of older films that they were showing? Uh, there's quite or a few reissues,
2: yeah. A lot of reissues sporadic ones. and Tenet. Oh, and that and that's kind of it. Hasn't that
1: film killed enough people? Ugh. Uh,
2: and so, yeah. Uh, the actual in the cinema was it was really quiet, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity for sort of um, crowding and such. There was maybe yeah ten a dozen people in the auditorium, like five or six groups of two, just okay. sat in little. But everyone was still. Sort of, not concentrated, but sort of scattered around the middle of the auditorium. Okay. So because you can choose your seating, everyone's still gone for like the middle bit, but they're all spaced out. Yeah. So that wasn't too bad. Everyone was wearing masks.
1: And that Um, sounds weird. If you said to me, it's a 200-seater screen, but we're only allowing 20 people in, I would be like, okay. Sure, because I, I know I feel, that I'll be able to find space away from everyone.
2: I feel a lot better about it now, and i probably go again, but it's not it wasn't the actual experience of being in the cinema that was problematic, it was getting to it. Because yeah. having to go through the print works, and everyone's out, ready for a night out, because it's Saturday. But I'm like, it's... We're in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic still. What the fuck is everyone doing? And enormous groups of kids, just like wild kids with no masks, who are clearly not all from the same household, just wandering around, being kids. It's very upsetting. Um, But the actual cinema experience itself was fine. Uh, It's the cleanest I've ever seen cinema toilets in my entire life. (laughs) It's Um, about time. I know, right? It's about bloody time. Um, Um, They've got the time to do it now. But still, people... (laughs) Of the dozen people in that screening, people still left fucking... Drinks and sweet wrappers on the fucking seats and floor because of course they did. Um,
1: people who people who clearly have never taken the message of Bill and Ted to heart. Then, yeah, Because they, they're not being excellent to each other. There's still too many fucking
2: ads and a whole bunch of build up for the trailers and the there was a single James Bond trailer in that. Because <laughs> there's nothing else coming out and that's, that's not that's even coming thought. out anymore. Um, yeah. Oh god. The film itself is very good. <laughs> It's it's warm and sweet and funny and without a shred of cynicism, and just nice and a and a and a, and a, emo, a real emotional salve, and the cast. It's just are, a,
1: it's just a, a bundle of innocence and yes, fun. Yes, the the castorade is very great. much
2: needed. It's like Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves just stepped right back into those roles. <laughs> it's uh, it's very good. It's very good, and I recommend it but I don't necessarily recommend going out to the cinema to see it. Will I go to the cinema again for any other reason? Hmm. We'll see. Mm. Um, if any of the big bot busters were still coming out this year, I might be tempted. But because there's nothing else coming out this year, probably not. Like, there's a bunch of yeah. reissues and stuff, but I don't think anything that wants that... And it's only a fiver.
1: Pri- what, just standard price? or the not print works. It's down a bit. I don't know it's just yeah. it's just a fiver now. I wonder a bit pre-pandemic I wonder how that screen did. For for, the, for those not native to Manchester listening, the Printworks is a sort of a center where there's a yeah. bunch of restaurants and bars and um a three four four story, right? Yeah, four, sto- a four, a four story. I thought a four story cinema um that for the majority of our lives has been an Odeon
2: yes i um, think the last time we went last time i went it was still an Odeon. because then the last time i same. went was to see dr strange
1: yeah same i don't have the same film but last time i went there it was pre the sale um mm. it was full of arcade machines on different floors and ben and jerry's counter Acosta halfway up mm. uh a really nice imax screen like it was the yep. imax screen in manchester for a long time um yeah i saw a, really a bunch cinema, of movies on the then, imax screen yeah, nearby there was uh, uh there is the what used to be the Great Northern Rail Centre in Manchester, a railway station back where the g is like that that area. Mm. Um there was an AMC cinema, like one of the two that were in the UK. And That's now um, an Odeon. Yeah, because uh, AMC bought Odeon. <laughs> and uh, uh it was great because that was that was always my f- favorite to go to once I realized how cheap it was. It at the was AMC mad like, it was always cheap, yeah. cheaper. So I started going there more often and then Odeon got bought by AMC and then over time the, 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 it was either the rental price or the, the deal they had ended at the Odeon being in the Printworks Centre. It was a, I think it was an anti-competition it was, it was, it was lit- thing. It, yeah, it was literally like, uh, yeah, it was, it was the bidding. Yeah. It was bidding. And it was literally like on the Friday, the MEN, uh, the Manchester Evening News reported that uh, the Odeon would be leaving the Printworks because View would outbid them on, on that the spot. Mm. And then on the Tuesday, Odeon closed. And it was just like, wait, what? What's happening? AMC, of course, saw a sudden boost in, in customers for like three weeks because there was nothing going on at the Printworks. Um, and then the Printworks reopened as a View with changed carpets and changed graphics and, and marketing. But not that much. But the biggest loss was um, the Costa closed, the Ben and Jerry's counter closed. I don't know if it reopened. So there is the Ben and Jerry's counter there. There is. So it's small, but it's there. And all the arcade machines were taken out. Yes. Yeah, every single one, which is weird because we're talking f- four stories, one of which is sort of like a, a access to some screens, but mostly a holdover floor between floors yeah. Um, two and four. So floors one, two, and four were full of arcade machines, and now it's just these big empty spaces. Yeah, there's a lot of big empty space happening. in there
2: now. Um, that's all it is.
1: Um, it's really weird. It's really, it's very really strange, strange to it's think about. It's very that. strange. Um, oh, that's it. I have been once. Well, it's been a view. Uh, my brother got um, apology tickets because of a cocked up experience to go and see Endgame um because okay. they've been an issue and he took me he said like i've already seen it in full now already but like do you want to come see it with me i've got two apology tickets for the imax and and like it's on tomorrow and i've got a day off and i went let's go because like yeah because the third and final time i watched endgame in cinema was on an imax screen nice um and i remember walking through those lobbies being like there's nothing here no. this is so weird especially on the second floor it's just a massive empty cavernous space and you combine that imax entrance yeah. to the left toilets dead ahead and nothing <laughs> just to the this right. big
2: carpet just a big carpet. yeah and that's it um so what is happening but you combine Brilliant. that with a
1: lack of people
2: yeah and it's very yeah. it's also very grim because the print works because everyone's going to the bars and restaurants is quite crowded now. yeah for those who want to so, know
1: it's like nando's yeah, yeah. and um and a uh, bunch of like different hard
2: rock fancy chain restaurants and a bunch of bat like franchise bars and stuff like it's it's a pretty popular Busy. night spot uh, yeah. and remains so in the midst of a pandemic which people are stupid um so it's baffling so baffling um oh. so you're going from this like really crowded like walk walkthrough area into this empty cinema like completely empty almost mm.
1: but enough about cinemas yeah we have to move on And uh, also because we had to make an edit there because yeah. the software crashed my
2: computer decided to uh, blue screen mid-sentence so that was a fucker you're,
1: you're back from the cinema you're alive and well yeah yeah you were you were and i say this in the pose. Excellent to each other. I was. And and yet, um, you had to watch some other stuff this week. Fuck me. I don't know why I, so I agreed to It was part of this. our ongoing project. Well, we agreed to it because we've had to do some filler episodes and... Yeah. Like, long-time fan, lovely Ian, has been following us for donkey's years, and he's said quite a lot this year. Will you ever tackle the X-Men film franchise, knowing that you, good sir, are a big fan of X-Men? You love the X-Men. You touch them in all their inappropriate places. I love the X-Men. You know exactly how many nipples Nightcrawler has, so... the X-Men, 17. The X-Men films, (laughs) not so much. Where's the hidden 17th one?
2: Well, riding his butt crack.
1: Um, yeah, just just above where the tail meets his bum yes. crack, it's just tucked away it's under actually, there. Actually, it's actually a coxix nipple. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but since the Munich Circus equality, incredible coxix nipple. Um, so, oh god! Um, but the um, films are another story. We've made it clear that we have up. problems are with they? the movie films. Uh, so, last time we did one of these episodes a few weeks back, we looked at the original X Men trilogy, aka the um Those we're now going into we're now about to leap into the thing that puts me off of these movies outside of predators directing them um yeah the thing that uh because let's face it the worst thing these films have done is give brian singer a career and brett brett ratner validation um, well, i mean
2: brian singer already had a career as did brett ratner yeah, it's just allowed but these, them to these keep his, having one
1: well, exactly. This franchise gave him enough of a career that he later on was invited back to make more. So mm. there we go. Um, X-Men 1, as we said last time, I think we both agreed, yeah, do you know what? It's fine. It's not amazing, but it's pretty all right. It's entertaining. It does its job. It's a little, It plays it a little too safe, but that's through the lens of modern superhero movies and knowing how far they're, they are willing to actually lean into the, the comic book style yeah. and everything nowadays. Yeah. Uh, X-Men 2 is a pretty solid action flick. With some good performances in it, and um, probably the so far probably the best actual script in the series out of the first three. X two is probably the best written. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, in terms of pacing and character motivations, and actors like Brian Cox and Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart getting to really wrap their their teeth well, around. It these actually words has and... characters, which is more than yeah, <laughs> yeah. more than me getting the others. And then. Um, uh x3 which is not great but not as bad as i remember it being um but i think that's because i was aware of what i was getting into yeah when I watched it yeah time. it's it's more boring
2: um, than anything else yeah kelsey gram is great
1: bad. yes uh, inc- increased screen time for mckellen is great but magneto's character is so freaking all over the shop so yes. it almost feels like a waste and by this point it's very clear the franchise only has eyes for one character <laughs> Which leads us into the first film of today's podcast, X Men Origins: Storm. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, now I I was already co-hosting on um, a radio show, a uh, uh, community radio, back in two thousand and seven. Um, yeah, I was sixteen. It was it was. Uh, 16. Yeah, it was 16, What the hell am I talking about? It was toward the end of high school is when I first started guesting on a community radio show that talked about film releases. And we were talking about film news, and we got the news through, you know, Total Film, places like that, that Fox were looking to do a series of prequel films uh, for the X-Men. Because they always called...
2: work out so well.
1: Yeah. Well, they're called X-Men Origins is the title, and the two that were currently in development were X-Men Origins Wolverine and X-Men Origins Magneto. And the Wolverine one would tell the full story of the Weapon X incident that turned him into the man we now know as the Wolverine. And Magneto's was going to be about post-World War II, late teens, mid to mid-twenties Magneto, tracking down Nazis after the Second World War and killing the shit out of them, Yeah. whilst also intercut with a modern-day plotline where McKellen would be playing the role in a plot that tied in with the flashback plot. Which, when I first saw that, I was like, out of these two, that's the one I want to see. Mm. I want to see X-Men Origins Magneto. Mm. And, I suffice to say, that movie never happened. A fraction of that film comes into existence, and we'll get to that later. Um, but the main reason these films, including one they were going to do about Storm, and one they were going to do about Nightcrawler, These did not happen because of the critical uh, reaction to X Men Origins Wolverine Ah. released in two thousand and nine. This is the first film to really show you that none of them give a fuck. No one gives a fuck. The the canon or the story arcs you've seen over the last three movies, or at least
2: if they did, those the people that did give a fuck are no longer
1: involved. Well. Put it this way. The director's Gavin Hood, who, after watching this on Blu-ray, went into the special features and started a big deep dive. Because there was a lot of promotional material around X-Men Origins Wolverine. Do you remember it being on bus like buses for months? I remember. It uh, on buses for months. It was just Hugh Jackman there in his white vest, and occasionally you'd have the other cast members behind him in a row, the other members of, um, I guess, Task Force X? Like, which doesn't make sense, because that's Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were they called? Were they given a name in this film? I don't, Team X. Team X. Was it Team X? There it is. That's Team a, X, which that, makes a bad name. no sense. It makes no sense because X in X-Men comes from Xavier, this has got fuck all to do with Xavier. Yeah. Um, well, they, they
2: they they used the weapon 10 thing weapon later on. X, weapon yeah. X. But yeah. that's Ro- later, Roman later on.
1: For, Roman numeral for 10. Roman numeral for like, 10. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, then. Oh, Danny Houston's um, not good in this. Um, no, he's not. And he's a great actor, but not in this. Um, <laughs> Gavin, Gavin Hood talks a lot in the special features about how um, the, the scene that really gives it away is he talks about the Weapon X procedure. So the procedure where Wolverine yeah. is infused with adamantium because he's the only mutant who could survive the experiment. Why is this experiment a thing they're planning? You find out later. But uh, he talks about the set design of that room and how he says it's not exactly the same as you saw it in X2. It is the same room, but we wanted to play with levels. We like the idea because, like, Stryker and his team are playing God. So we wanted them to be elevated above the tank that Logan is in. So that's why there's platforms, and they're up high looking down. And uh, we wanted to sort of show the 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 kind of the the the, the incubation of Wolverine like he's the, Logan is going in and the Wolverine is what will be born afterwards so it's a more tightly packed tank you have all these giant things sticking into him holding him in place he's completely contained in there and, and he's talking about like why they made the decisions they made for the design of that room and you're like all of these decisions make sense in terms of his you know the thematics sure great mm. but he keeps saying every now and again and it's not like it was in X two. Um and that's okay. But he also keeps referring to the fact that it's the same room from X2. But it's clearly I mean, not. Yeah. It's clearly not that room. Like, the tank could be similar at a push. But, like, uh, you know, the adamantium's in a boiling pot behind it. And there's a a, a a great thing above it that clearly is what the person's lowered in on. Yeah. And and it's big stony, like, pi- pillars with tiles. and So great. that sort of shows you the mentality going in was... Are oh, we telling our story? If it contradicts the previous one, fuck it. Like ours is what it is now.
0: Mm.
1: And it's like okay, sure, but this is the film that starts the ball rolling on the future ones not giving a <sighs> single fuck about continuity. No, or, or no, it, it character it... traits or. I mean, let's begin with Logo. The opening in this film is kind of cool, um, with Jimmy, little Jimmy. Uh, yeah, waking up and um he's he's always unwell. Little it's like late eighteen hundreds America, and little, little Jimmy's always unwell, and his his friend uh, Victor. Um, all this is loosely based on the story origin. Um, yeah, they, they sort of they sort of like truncate the plot of the middle of that book into two minutes, where yeah, Jimmy's the kid of a rich family, and his mates Victor from the village, and his dad don't like him, and then one night. Um, I can't remember what he's called now, but Dog or whatever he's freaking called shows up, and no, it. So in the in the comics, Dog is
2: a different character Saber-tooth. to Victor.
1: Yes, and they
2: sort of get yeah, together yeah, because they,
1: they they confirm that later. Dog, yeah. like yeah, that's he. He's it's alluding to Saber but he's not Saber because Dog so, Dog okay. Logan isn't a mutant. No, no, that's true. So. Yeah, so. Uh, so basically, guy from village who's a rough bastard who's Victor's dad is the real dad of Jimmy. Um, again, starting that long thing of oh they have to be related. It's Jedi shit. Despite they all the have fact to be related, despite the fact they spent three films going no, anyone could be a mutant. That's the point. But also the just, the, the higher it's a higher chance that your kid will be a mutant if you're a mutant because your genes are in there too. But but you know. But also, despite
2: the fact that the actor that they've cast to play the elder Howlett. Looks, looks like, Hugh, like Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Like the spit of him. But they're not related. Mm. Which, you know, I guess could be a neat bit of misdirection, but it just comes across as odd.
1: Mm. Especially um, because of how much like him he looks. Yeah. Um. So, in his dying moments, the dude reveals that he's Jimmy's dad. And Jimmy springs bone claws and him and Victor run away. And they're like, come Jimmy's- on, little brother. we got to look out for each other. Yeah. And what suddenly begins... Is a very, this was the one thing I remember people coming away from this movie, whether they liked it or disliked it, back in 2009 and going, that bit was cool though. Yeah. Which is the opening where it's the credits as they're going through different wars in American history. Like they go through the Civil War, mm. World War One, like the American forces in that, World War Two, Vietnam, and you're like, okay, this is cool. Question, why are they fighting for the military? <laughs> they, they wouldn't. Like, they wouldn't choose to do that. It is cool, though. It's cool, and I buy it, and it probably only exists because, like, we know that Wolverine and Cap fought alongside each other in World War II at some point. Yeah. Because, obviously, that was retconned years later after both characters have been in comics for decades. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, they met once during World War II. It's like, wait, what? Did they? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, So, I get it, but I'm like, why would they be fighting? And also, why are they fighting with the American forces? These motherfuckers live in Canada. Yeah. That's weird. Which, which, a which... Bit weird. And also, why do they have the exact same haircut for hundreds of years?
2: See, I have a theory on boys? this. I have a theory on this. Oh, go on. I think that no matter what Logan does to his hair, it always reverts to that weird shape.
1: But the thing is, and this I film's loved... the only one where it...
2: You would have loved. I would have loved for there to be a scene in one of these films where you see him trying to do something different with his hair and it just <laughs> goes back to that shape. No matter what this he is does. The only,
1: this is the only film where his hair looks good and believable. Because it's just it's just long enough that it gets a natural yeah. curl at the back. Whereas in the rest of them, it's like finely coiffed, almost an afro trimmed down like yeah. a freaking hedge, um, slicked back with loads of gel, but in tiny little sort of mama curl points at the back. In this one, it's just big and shaggy and naturally curls toward the back as a result. And it's yeah. like, that looks good. That looks good. It's also the first time that um, Hugh Jackman grows the mutton chops out full and proper, right round into a chin strap beard and then just trims the chin. Yeah, and yeah and it, it sort of looks like that's clearly wolverine but it also isn't a hair it isn't a, a beard that would make me stop on the train and go the fuck has that guy done to his face? <laughs> like, you know what i mean it's like all yeah, the previous ones yeah. like the fuck has he done to his face and then in this it's like yeah no i believe that i yeah. believe that as a, as a facial hair choice could grow your mustache out a tiny bit mate but fair enough i believe it mm-hmm. um uh they're in nam and they get imprisoned because victor essentially tries to rape a woman like like that's what's happening here that brothers for life Jimmy, you and me, we're fighting for our lives for together except we're also fighting for America for some reason and now I'm gonna rape someone. It's like wait, what is happening? America. I, I get the idea you're trying to set up that Victor has the power rush and the animalistic urges and he's not a good person. But like you telling me this is the first time in a 100 plus years that he's tried to sexually assault somebody? I think, yeah, I think what they're
2: trying to do is make out that he, that Victor gets progressively worse as time goes on because...
1: Yes, because there is that shot where he's like gunning the guys in the hideout. Yeah. And it cuts to Logan's reaction. And he's sort of looking like, uh, <laughs> uh Victor. Uh. <laughs> he's like smiling while he machine guns down people who are already dead. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I think there is a, an element of, of him getting, getting worse.
2: Yeah. And they're it, both monsters. The they're both
1: animals. Time. Yeah, and Victor's the Victor's well, the bad guy. Like uh, Logan uh, could go down that route if he let go. Thematically, yeah, that's thematically the idea is that one mm. is
2: that Victor embraces his animalistic side, and Logan tries to hang on to his humanity. But
1: uh, the two sides of the same coin, Matt. The two sides of the same coin.
2: Everything in this movie just, anything thematic in this movie just gets lost under the mess that it ends up being. um Let's fast forward through the plot because we don't need to. Basically, it's. Yeah, don't just do the whole thing. They, they, they're
1: recruited by William Stryker, who is still a sergeant, and they join Team X and they do some horrible shit. and Logan goes, Yeah, I don't want to have any part of this, and actually goes away and has a life. They go on one little mission, out. and
2: Logan yeah. gets scared. He says, I'm going to move in with Silver Fox in the Canadian
1: Rockies. Oh, Canadian Wilderness. Uh, Wilderness. Uh, so... <laughs> the not-so-fresh <laughs> Prince of Canada. Yeah. Um, but it turns out all that's bullshit. We find out later in the movie yeah. that that life was was um, orchestrated by Stryker because Stryker's playing a long game. He's after a metal that is apparently indestructible. Um, uh, and I, li- I like the idea that this film actually goes... So here's what adamantium is. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, a, it's a composite, but the key ingredient is this stuff from a meteor fragment. It's star um, which is metal. Why it's, yeah, which is why it's so rare. I love that. the whole They keep saying the same thing. It comes from the sky. It's like, that's kind of a great idea. It really sort of makes the idea of this thing that we've seen for three movies looking more like metal than how it fucking looks in this film. Mm. Um, is Is like proper sort of like... No wonder Logan... Is the only one who can survive the treatment. We don't even know what this substance is. It's not something you find on Earth. No. Um, so Striker's long game basically is to create a giant super weapon mutant, uh, powers pulled together, and um, Logan is sort of the the penultimate test trial for it. Yeah. Because if Logan can survive the adamantium bonding to his skeleton because of his healing factor, then Weapon Eleven will be able to do it <clears throat> using Logan's DNA. Um, but we'll get into that shit. Um pluses, positives. I really fucking like Lee Schreiber in this movie. Yes. He's Sabretooth. Yes. This is Sabretooth. Like Yeah. Tyler Main, great job as Henchman Sabretooth. The function is just to be big, scary, have claws and fight Wolverine in the first X-Men. If that was all we'd ever seen, fans of the character would be upset that that was it. Yeah. But it's still like, yeah, that's Sabretooth. When he's in the Brotherhood, that's his function. Yeah. Fair enough. He's not scar- Starscream. He's not plotting the demise of Magneto so we can take over. Like, <sighs> He's just like, yeah, you point me at stuff to kill it for you? Sure, I'll do it. Let's oh, so that's go.
2: Mastermind's role in the Brotherhood.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, Mastermind is the Star Scream. So. Mastermind does some fucked up shit. Um, I totally forgot that he he's isn't he involved, or is it a different mutant is involved in in um like hypnotising Gene Grey into being in the Hellfire? No, course. it's Mastermind. Is it Mastermind? Yeah. Is Mastermind? Like he does some fucked up shit after the Stanley era. Like they yeah. really play with what he can do. Um surprised he's never been in the Well, I guess he kind of is in the film, sort of, because Silver Fox in this basically has like his powers Jay- through touch. Um, Jason Stryker in X2
2: is Mastermind. He's basically yeah. a mastermind because yeah. his name in the Who comics it... is Jason Wingard.
1: Ah, there you go. Yeah, cuz uh so... Striker I, I re- since our last podcast I've, I've I've reread God Loves Man Kills. Uh and I forgot oh. that um William Striker doesn't even have a a, a a he has a child but he doesn't like raise the child. Like his child, he, he gets in a, in the com- right in the comics Striker is in the army. And he's a religious guy, he's in the army. He gets out him and his wife are on a tour of something. The truck uh, blows up. Like, they gets hit by something or there's an accident on the road. And she's pregnant. So they're... they're, they're oh, that's it. They're, they're, they're rushing to get to the hospital. She's pregnant. The truck, the car crashes. He gets out. He helps her give birth to the baby, their child. And he basically describes it as, like, being the most terrifying, horrendous, like, blight on the earth he's ever seen. Implying that it's, it's a mutant whose mutation is physically visible from the moment of birth. Yeah. So someone someone like Nightcrawler and that who are like from the beginning are blue and then when they're teenage their powers like come about. Yeah. Um so he he bludgeons the baby to death. And then as his wife's wondering what's happening and she's crying, he cradles her and snaps her neck. And then he pulls them uh, happy podcast, everyone. He pulls them into the wreckage of the car, including himself, and he sets fire to the the leaking uh, fuel in an attempt to kill the th- kill himself as well because he's like, we brought a demon into this world. This is wrong. A demon. And after the explosion, uh, he's recovered from the wreckage. He's alive. He's nursed back to health, and he's asking God, "Why am I still alive?" Mm. And he realizes I must be alive because, like, he's shown me, God has shown me what to do. Like, I have to wipe out the, this, the, the mutants. Are, the mutants are Satan's children. I have to get rid of them. Satan's like, you, you children. Choke. Do you know what I mean? My child, was it my, my, that thing that came out of my wife is her fault and a test for me I, to go forward. That's his belief system. So in the films, they go, he's just a general and he hates mutants. And it's because his kid's a mutant and he's annoyed about it. I think you'll find Chris That's straight yeah, they're the children of the
2: atom, not Satan's children.
1: <laughs> well, I agree, but Striker doesn't. I think you'll find he wanted to. He wanted to pay for less lettering on the posters for his meetups. <laughs> children of the Atom was too many letters. So, um, in the X Two, Striker's a military guy who knows how to. He basically uses mutants for his own ends. Ultimately, the plan being to use Xavier and Cerebro to kill all mutants. In this, Striker's a bit more sympathetic. It looks like in this, he's like, he hates mutants, but he's like, but we can absolutely use them. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to eradicate them. Like he's still trying to, it looks like he's trying to find a cure for his son. Cause you see Jason very briefly frozen in a, in like a fridge. Mm. Um, uh, and he he's like, you know, yeah, we're going to use them and I'm going to use them to create a weapon to sell to the military, even though he's in the military. And at one point, one of his like, superiors sure. is like, yeah, you need you need to stop doing this. And he's like, right, I'd serve this country to fight any threat to America, including from within. And he kills his superior. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is that? Is that yeah. to try and show he's deranged? We know he's deranged. He's locking up children and draining their DNA to use in a weapon. He doesn't have to kill his superior to show the audience that he's deranged. Like... Because, of course, at the end, the post credit scene, when he gets found mm. after walking till his feet bleed, he gets found by the military who go, Colonel Stryker, and he sort of snaps out of his trance, and he's like, yeah. And they're like, you're wanted in connection uh, to the death of, like, Lieutenant whatever. Mm. And you're like, yeah. How else did you think it was going to end Stryker, you fucking idiot? Yeah. <laughs> um, Brian Cox played him in X2, and he was phenomenal. And we see flashes of his face in Wolverine's flashbacks to yep. the Weapon X incident. Because yep. again, Wolverine's, Wolverine has no memory from before the time he was experimented on. In this, can, in this canon, and in pretty much the comics for the majority of the time, he's been a comic book character. Uh-huh. Um, in this film, we the whole story of this movie basically is, here's how Wolverine ended up as Weapon X, and how he lost his memory. And the film tries to play a trick on you. It thinks it's, You can tell that it thinks it's smarter and more clever than it is. Mm. And it's really happy with its decision. Uh, Victor is killing off members of Team X and kills Logan's wife, uh, Kayla. And Striker's like, right, I'll help you track down Victor. And I've got this experimental procedure and you can kill him. Because you know you can't kill They make a big point of saying you can't kill Victor. Like, you know you can't kill him. But it, as though it's impossible to do it physically even though Wolverine has a great solution, he's like, are you going to kill me little brother? And he's like, I'll start by cutting your damn head off.
2: I guess no one's (laughs) tried that until now.
1: I guess no one's tried that yet. Like, let's go for it. Um, It's not the kind of thing
2: you do for fun, to be fair.
1: (laughs) So he undergoes the procedure. And then as it's finishing, Striker goes, wipe his memory. And you're like, wait, what? They can do that. Okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) But Logan hears it from inside the tank Roars, gets out, we have a not as cool version of the, the shot from the flashback exterior, like, comes out of the tank screaming, covered in blood. Mm. In here, he just sort of, in here, it's one of those Hugh Jackman doesn't hydrate for three days, like, yeah. sinewy muscle ripped moments. <laughs> sinewy and then he ripped leaves. muscle. And and so the film's like, oh, you thought that's how he lost his memory? Well, well already we're contradicting things, because Stryker, in this film, looks nothing like he does in the other. Not mm. just because he's a different actor, but like, Facial hair, military uniform, like, there's loads of things that are different. Sabretooth's different because you think this film would take the opportunity to, at the end, maybe give a notion, or even in the film, give a hint that Victor's mutation is continuing to mutate because he lives so long. Yeah. You could e- you could easily explain why they don't know each other in, in X-Men, but Victor is also giant, long hair, black eyes, big teeth all the time. You Listen, everyone goes through by... a
2: grunge phase, okay?
1: yeah but you could explain it by saying like oh he's he's that uh, you muta- the longer you live like if you lived a normal life like your mutation would be what you know it to be but because you're going to live hundreds of years potentially mm. you're mutating into more beast than than man and eventually you won't even he says like eventually you won't even remember who you are you'll just like want to kill that's all you'll want and just a throwaway line like that make you go oh ah. that's why an x-men that's why an x-men he looks like a freaking werewolf but also like, looks at Wolverine, has a weird obsession with Wolverine's tags, but doesn't quite know why. Because in the original X-Men film, he's only like that because they're going, hey, comic fans, hey, these two, mm. these two enemies, hey, These hey. two, these Whereas two. It would, it, it would retroactively become something more if you knew Sabretooth was going to keep mutating. Yeah. Because then, you know, in the first movie, I'm looking at the tags of Logan's, it could be him being like, there's some, like instinct, there's something about these. Like, I recognise these somehow, and they, they move on from that. There's also, something look, there! I don't... Is it wrong that I don't hate the uh, Sacagawean story about the Wolverine, like, pining for the moon and all that? I don't hate that. No, that's, it's as good, that's fine. It's as good a reason as any is to have him call himself Wolverine. Like, fair enough. But it's the fact that it's like, what do you want the tag? I, I want a new name on the tags. What do you want him to say? The Wolverine. Oh, cool. Like how they say Logan in the original film. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah. uh, Hmm. If you've not seen this movie before, don't bother. But like his his let's let's talk about stuff we like in it.
2: Um. Hugh Jackman stuff we like just generally. Yeah. I just generally like
1: Hugh Jackman. Um, Hugh Jackman. I mean, his passion. Here's the thing. In all the behind the scenes for these movies, he is so passionate about these characters. He loves them. Yeah. Yeah. So much. And um. It's just a shame that I think his passion and his excitement to play the part sometimes blinds him from quality control. Well, I don't think it's... I also think it's not really down to
2: him. Like, he's not in control. Well, he's, he's, a,
1: he's, a, produ- he's a producer on most of these movies. Yeah, but
2: he's not the sole producer.
0: Yeah, oh yeah.
2: Like, and I yeah. I think yeah. particularly going into... um, Particularly going into uh x uh, the next x-men film uh not next yeah. film the next wolverine film i think you do get a, a case of too many
1: cooks um yeah but we'll get to that later mm. on um leave schreiber's amazing he is never credited yeah. as saber anywhere in the production of this movie no 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 it's always He's victor creed, creed. Which I quite like, because if you didn't understand that it was the character from the first one, yeah. it could just be a different character. And it's like, fine, sure. And,
2: but then uh, therein lies the path to the worst thing about this film and mm. the worst thing about this set of films we're going to discuss today. Therein lies the path to the complete lack of continuity in this movie that is explicitly supposed to be a prequel. Yeah. To the other movies. Um, anything else that we like about it before we move on? It's a short um, list.
1: I think Danny Houston's a great actor, but he's he's underserved. Completely I don't know because I've never script. seen him and in as anything a result, that I've liked him in. <laughs> I like him in um, Thirty Days a Night, but that's just because he's very—he feels very otherworldly in that. Oh, actually, yeah, I, fo- I totally, totally forgot but he was in like that. Pro- he All feels right. like a proper monster. Yeah, like it's just like this is not a human. I'll take that back. And I'll take that scary. back.
2: He's good in Thirty Days a Night. Yeah, um, let's uh, do you
1: know what? Let's go, let's go through Team X and decide who's good, new shit. Um, Will I Am makes his acting debut as John Wraith. Um, yeah, no thanks. I like the w- I like the way Wraith teleports. Like I like yeah. the fact for that split second you see him his body deconstruct. Yeah. So like when he reappears, you see a skeleton, then like the organs, then the flesh, then skin, then he's there, and it's it's really quick, and it's like that's neat. You yeah. found a way to do teleportation that looks different from the last time we saw it. That. Yeah that's good it's i mean it it's a performance it's It's, nothing special
2: yeah there's nothing
1: yeah it's fine lynn collins is kayla uh aka silver fox she's not silver fox so i don't know why they'd call her silver fox because she freaking isn't silver fox (laughs) she's um fine did you know that uh, michelle monaghan turned down that role because of scheduling conflicts oh that could be good um i, I, bullet, I believe though, her that she genuinely was in love with logan because th- the idea yeah. is they've, they've paired her up with logan because she she her power is tactile hypnosis like if she yeah. touches you and suggests something you do it as we see earlier in the film there's a guy who's going to fight logan over like a traffic dispute yeah and she sort of sort of like touches his shoulder and is like you know just calm down like don't you know get, move on or whatever and he, he he's like okay fine but it, you need
2: to trust you to have a good memory because the uh, she gets killed off shortly thereafter and then it doesn't come up until like an hour later
1: yeah but it but then there's a throwaway line where she tries to, victor's choking her and she's like get off me and he's like oh, it doesn't work on me and it's sort of the one bit of proof the movie offers that maybe it didn't work on Logan either because mm. it's a healing thing or whatever um like who freaking knows so i i I think the way little Lynn Collins plays it is nice but it's just a uh, this it Kevin
2: it's most of these most of these roles are not due to the actors it's due to the 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 parts being oof, the script mm. is pretty bad
1: Kevin Durand clearly is having fun playing uh Fred dukes aka blob um yeah it, it's two prosthetic muscle suits a- Adi did worked on this I love them amalgamated dynamics and Col yeah yeah have been working for years they're wonderful, but this is at the start of the turn of the business, because nowadays they are a digital effects house first, yeah, and a physical prosthetic effects house second, because unfortunately the demand for CGI is higher now, um, which sucked, because these yeah, guys yeah, do sucks. some incredible... Like, Pumpkinhead, Alien and Predator franchises prior to the two most recent entries, like... Yeah. You know, they do phenomenal work. Pennywise, they designed Pennywise for the first It film. Like, they, you know, they're they're phenomenal. Um, This is one of the first movies where their job was primarily CGI effects. It shows Logan's claws look fucking awful in this movie. And why do they need to be CGI? Why do they need to be CGI
2: in this when they've been practical and
1: everything else? They look like they're the second to last layer before the final detail. Yeah. They, well, they look so bad. This leaves But then their practical effects look really good because yeah. Blob's, the two suits for yeah. Blob look phenomenal. They look really, really good. I hate the idea. Oh, David Arbour auditioned for this role, apparently. Yeah, I can believe that. But was turned was turned down for being, quote, too fat at the time, unquote. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? Um, But... I I hate the fact that Blob isn't big already. Like, his power in this is basically just, he's indestructible. Well, that's the thing.
2: It's part of his mutation that he is uh, just enormous. But his actual actual power is, yeah, he he can increase his mass Hmm. um, and basically become immovable. That's his actual powers.
1: Whereas in this, it's he's immovable and super strong and then gets fat because he keeps eating. It's like okay Mm. and the the blob bub thing is fucking painful that is that is awful
2: it's awful it just doesn't work at all
1: sorry so yeah you were saying about the the leaked uh, yeah this movie this this movie leaked this this was one of the first high profile Um, leaks wasn't it yeah the internet suddenly got hold of it before it came
2: out in cinemas the whole thing leaked online uh with quote-unquote unfinished effects
1: and then I mean, the they act, definitely weren't finished in there because it had like yeah. the straps across the screen and yeah. everything, and there was and no uh, storyboards filling in for a couple of the vehicle stunts. There was no
2: watermark. It had unfinished alternate visual effects, and it had a different font for the credits. But by all accounts, ah, oh, the, oh right, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. the effects weren't actually that different. <laughs> so it's not like it wasn't. It wasn't like completely. They really didn't look mean. that much better in the final result. Um, yeah, it's
1: it's we, we love ADI, mess. but it, it's not it's, it's not, not good visuals. It's not good. But when it comes to the practical stuff, the practical stuff is tasty. Um, yeah, but Dominic think, Monaghan as uh, sorry go on uh, Dominic Monaghan yes as Bradley yes um, Chris Chris Bradley. Um, uh, who I was like which character is this then I looked him up yeah he's literally just called Chris Bradley yeah. he's pre- previously gone as gone under Bolt and Maverick um whose superpower is basically uh technokinesis yeah um it's a really brief role he's very sweet and endearing in it it makes sense that he'd be on a military task force because he can short out communications and and like, when the lift gets turned off to stop them going to the uh, the, the mm-hmm. crime boss's floor, of course, he just, like, concentrates and the lift starts moving again. His job as a sideshow attraction with a caravan full of toys is really kind of sweet. Like, it's one of those where it's, like, out of the back of the film, he's one of the few characters that I'm, like, I wish I'd actually spent more time with. Yeah. It's, like, he's sweet, but I think that's just Dominic Monaghan's natural kind of chemistry yeah. and charisma. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I'd like, but then you wouldn't have a pint with with Dominic Monaghan. You'd have uh, second breakfast.
2: Yes. Uh, Which is what you call Guinness when you drink it before twelve. P-
1: yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, Taylor, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in order of the cast list I've got here because uh, it will become clear why he's not a member of Team X. But uh, Taylor Kitsch, uh, in his in his rise to Sam Worthington part of his career, yeah, yeah. i.e., was being put in everything for a couple of years, plays Remy LeBeau but he was so good at poker that the guards at the prison called him Gambit. D- um, Taylor Kitsch is fine, but the yeah, again, he the plays it fine. Shit. He loses his accent. He's got a Cajun accent when you first meet him and then later on he's just American, like, well, more uh, flat American. Again,
2: all the films that we're, that we're talking about, well, particularly the next film we're going to talk about, there's some accents <laughs> that go missing all over the place. So we can talk, we can, yeah. He's, he's the least worst <laughs> offender
1: in this wunderbar um uh, so fuck it up. yeah uh, but a gambit fan favorite character massively fan favorite x-men character it's a cameo really i mean he's in a few yeah, scenes but it's, like, it's an extended cameo and it works as an extended cameo but it's it's almost damaged more now where we're in a world where we've had batrock the leaper we've yeah. had arnim zola you know we've we've had um Freaking uh, lockjaw in a in a big budget TV series, like, it just yeah. kind of feels weird. But even before that Gambit is a throwaway role, who's toned down massively to just being oh well, he's got a purple shirt. That's kind of like his armor in the comics. But even even before yeah. all this, like
2: it's even even like not comparing it to modern films where you know they're more willing to dip into obscure characters. The problem is, is the mm-hmm. script is just so. Um, it's such a cobble together of bits and pieces and ideas and characters.
1: Yeah.
2: And not, it doesn't sort of there's flow no need, There's properly. no need for it to be Gambit. The, there's the, no need yeah. for it to be Gambit. But it just means that you get these little snippets of characters that don't get to be characters because they're just bringing in, all right, all right, we're going to have Scott Summers in here now for yeah, no reason, fuck? apart from the fact that we need weapon 11 at the end to have the I-beams. And also, I guess this might be Emma Frost, but it's not really Emma Frost. And yeah, I guess it's also, uh,
1: Kayla's sister Emma. Yeah. In in the development of the film, there was no no one was saying it's Emma Frost, and then in the credits, yeah, they renamed the character Emma. Uh, yeah. No, they renamed the, uh, the, the uh, Kayla's sister slash Emma Silverfox. So it's it's Emma Frost. Yeah, it's a, it is Emma a- Frost.
2: Uh, again, um, which, which we'll which
1: we'll pick up again in, in a few minutes. Um,
2: and it just, yeah, so you just get this oh, it's this character, it's this character here, and this character there, and this character here, and, and we're doing this bit now, and then this bit. Oh, and this character's back again for five seconds, and oh, we're doing this bit. Oh, no, now this character's dead now. And it's, and it's just, it's so, it moves in such a sort of haphazard fashion through this yeah. overly complex plot that doesn't really do anything. And it doesn't even manage to look good while it's doing it. It's it, no, it's it just really doesn't.
1: It's just but a Matt, mess. But Matt, we have to learn the origin of Wolverine's coat. Yeah. He gets it he gets it learn, off of Mar, yeah, Mar and Pa Kent. <laughs> Mar and Pa Logan. Um Yeah. He gets but it off me. of them. You know, his famous jacket with the go-faster stripes on the arms that before the end of this movie is in the middle of a freaking street or base somewhere, never to be seen again, and yet somehow he's wearing it in X-Men. And apparently it's his famous jacket. So much so that the recent Marvel Legends figures, because they're finally using the X-Men license to make a few Marvel Legends figures, include a Wolverine with that jacket. Hey, because it's a, it's apparently a nice it's visual jacket. iconography. Yeah, but it's not the same fucking jacket that he's wearing uh, in the other movies. It, a doesn't nice make coat. it doesn't make any sense. Um, oh god, it's a nice cut. Co- yeah, there you go. There you go. It's a homeless person. Um, Daniel Henney as Agent Zero. Um, he's fine. He feels like a formidable threat. But uh, again,
2: like has an action scene and a bit of threatening dialogue yeah. and nothing else because there's too many
1: characters in this movie and they don't know yeah, what to do with any of them. If, if it was just him. If it was like Victor, uh, Wolverine, and him on that task force, I'd be like, that makes sense. Two up close brawlers who have a healing factor and your marksman. Now, here's the thing they never say what his power is, they never show his power. You just kind of have to interpret that, oh, he's a good shot. Yeah. Like, that's his power. He can shoot fast. Um, and he's not the worst off for that. We'll get to him next. But, like, here's something interesting. Uh, on the commentary on the DVD, producer Lauren shuller who I saw in a lot of the behind-the-scenes featurettes, uh, she kind of takes over as the figurehead for this series and all the behind-the-scenes stuff yeah. for this film. Yeah. She seems to be very much on the same page as, like, your, uh, your Amy Pascal's, your Simon Kinberg's, like, gets the appeal of the world, but doesn't quite understand why the things have appeal.
2: And I think that's sort of... It- indicative of the way that the the franchise is approached by everyone
1: yeah these producers like avi arard and stuff people like that they're like oh my god yeah i love those characters i have a lunchbox with them on oh cool what's your favorite story well you know i just i just love these characters i think they're really cool yeah Um, and it's nice to see other people love them cool what's your favorite story you know, all these great villains and characters. What's your favourite fucking story with these characters in? Tell me something about why you love them that proves you understand the core of their appeal. Not just... Why people pick up these books, not just because... Basically... They are fans of the aesthetic alone, and that's kind of yeah, it. pretty much. That's pretty kind much. of it. And she proves it by, on the commentary, she talks about Agent Zero's powers. She says that he has an enhanced agility and reflexes and lethal sniper skills, because, of course, you could be born with sniper skills, mm. but also he has no scent, which makes him difficult for Logan to track. That which- is never brought up. Or ever. used or utilized, like they don't. He doesn't need to track him at any point ever. So, ugh. what is the point in that? But he's um, not done the dirtiest, and I'm not talking about weird cameo, extra de-aged look worse than last time. Xavier, ugh. I'm talking about Ryan Motherfucking Patience of a Saint Reynolds <laughs> playing Wade Wilson slash Weapon Eleven he's um, bad man Wade's part of the team his superpowers include moving swords fast and that's it Wade Wilson his superpower is moving swords fast and liking swords yeah. that's his superpower and talking a um, lot the seed, the thing is in the opening like sting after the credits he's the most endearing member of the team because his lines are well written. You can tell some of them are improv. Ryan Reynolds has that brilliant snarky charisma. He's downplaying it and it feels like he's beha- he's trying to behave himself. Like the bit in the lift and everything mm. is really funny. Mm. And then he comes out and he deflects 4,000 fucking machine gun bullets with his swords. And it's the most disgustingly stupid thing you've ever seen. And not in a fun way. And it's-, it's just dumb as fuck fuck and it's wonderfully really parodied in um, in Deadpool 2 in Deadpool 2 yeah <laughs> like brilliantly done um and then wade is implied to be the first killed by victor and the later yes. on we find out he was never killed by victor he is the basis for weapon 11 so yeah. before they experiment on Wolverine they've already selected wade to be weapon 11 He's been frozen, comatose, whatever, but his skin is fucked up. They have recently put the adamantium into him after the success with Wolverine. Um he has katana blades in his arms that would not fit in his arms because he wouldn't be able to bend his fucking arms. Um He's a soldier who doesn't be... need to bend his arms. Yeah. Which would be mouth. solved it could easily be solved if they were just, like, six, seven inches long. And yeah. you'd still be like, yeah, those are blades. I could still be hurt by those blades. And he could fit them in his forearms. It doesn't make any frigging sense. Um, he's had his mouth welded shut during the process. The way he behaves implies, like, brainwashing or, or memory eras- erasure. Because he's clearly not weighed anymore. Um, so shutting his mouth doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, because then, if he's out in the field, how the hell do you find out? Like, if he's in trouble or if he needs cover or whatever, you wouldn't be. He couldn't like communicate with them to let them know. Mm-hmm. But they do it because Stryker's only problem with Wade was that he had a mouth on him. Uh, in the promo materials attached to it, Ryan Reynolds. There's a lot of these promo stings where each of the cast members talk to camera in character. And I remember it was in the press kit around the time. Um, and he does it, and they keep referring to him as the Merc with a mouth you know, Deadpool's moniker. He seems to neither be like, a mercenary or have a mouth. Have a mouth. So. Um, he ha- he has burn marks in his on his face, scars that imply that his eyes were taken out and put back in. Yeah, well, which we, we then find burn. out they were yeah. Cyclops' optic blasts, which once again, don't operate correctly. They set things on fire and melt things. Mm-hmm. Like Cyclops' power is that it punches shit. It's a laser beam that pummels you into the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, if Cyclops shot you with his eyes, folks, you wouldn't set on fire or burn up. You'd fly across a fucking football field. Like, that's what the power is. Yeah, he's, and when his Cyclops his eyes uses don't it in this, create heat.
2: They're a yeah. portal to the punch dimension.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, they are. Because um, uh, like, they seem to get Gambit's kinetic stuff right in this. It's about like energy manipulation and explosions of energy and force and it worked and like attaching it to objects yes. and throwing it for some reason he can also make cards float but sure it's just about a visual flourish but it, it's it's deadpool the eye I- beams the cyclops the eye I- beams and this is fucking stupid but hey but matt when his eye I- beams are about to set off the scars up and above his and below his eyes burn and they kind of look like deadpool's mask yeah. don't you love that fans of this character
2: yeah i love it i love it so
1: especially i mean to be fair he's got one up on the deadpool deadpool he teleports, which Deadpool True. in the comics did for, for years with if a little device on his that, belt. Yeah, that's
2: not an inherent power of Deadpool. But that's the thing, Deadpool always in the comics.
1: It. Deadpool isn't a mutant in the comics. No, he's made. Well. It. He's given
2: a healing factor, yeah.
1: He's given a healing factor based on Wolverines, whereas in this, he's given a skeleton and a healing factor and eye beams and katana blades and teleportation and something else probably we don't know. Um, and also, the, the, not, the
2: most... St- stupid character name drop i think i've ever
1: heard yeah we put it in the pool the deadpool you're like it's what what that's not the what features, that's not what a deadpool is and the special features they really go off on the fact that like he's a fan favorite marvel character people love him and we can't wait for them to uh, get to see him in this movie and you're like you guys really have no idea what you've... They don't. Do. They really don't no clue. know
2: what they... They don't know what
1: is good about what they're trying to use. They don't know why I, people like it. I don't know how much of that final part of the film stars Ryan Reynolds. I think maybe a couple of close-ups of the eyes are Ryan Reynolds because yeah. Weapon 11 is performed by stunt performer Scott Adkins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, physically it's a great job like those i watched it behind the scenes the flips and kicks he's doing yeah. he's doing without a wire like he can like propel himself across yeah. a room and cartwheel like five times it's like this guy's a phenomenal performer it's a shame that he's been attached to this piece of shit yeah um it's I was a I was a Deadpool fan at the time and I was just like the fuck are they doing like why who thought this was a good idea yeah um and it's very indicative of the whole film really. It's like they don't but know it, what they're doing. It might all but don't worry. Be, it might all be Scott Adkins because facially he's quite similar to Ryan Reynolds.
2: Mm. Especially around yeah, the true. eyes. So because all it would
1: take is a bit of again like the ADI yeah. prosthetics work on the design is good, it's just not Deadpool. Um yeah, they could have just done the grooves around his eyes and on his cheeks to make him look a bit more like Ryan using a cast and then like blowing it up slightly or it's possible. Um the film ends in a way I wish we all... Uh, I think we all wish we could have experienced, which is uh, an adamantium bullet to Wolverine's brain <laughs> makes him forget things. Well, no, he doesn't... Specifically... It doesn't, penet- it doesn't... Does it penetrate? I don't know if it penetrates, or but is it, it definitely, just, like... It definitely... He rattles his, head, it it his brain. brain around in there. No, I think it penetrates because the wound takes a bit longer to heal. Oh, yeah and 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 it's sort of like you can see it's not it's not skull directly beneath the wound as it's healing over it's not the metal surface it's sort of like flesh yeah so i think it penetrates his head so basically it's the is it uh, the simpsons where we learn there's a crayon in homer's brain and they take <laughs> it out and he gets smarter it's basically that it's yeah. like what the fuck but it's not just that it's not the fact that that's just what happens as like a twist ending striker has adamantium bullets which he explicitly is using to erase logan's memory yeah the doctor who's created the adamantium she pops up in a couple times and she really goes for it she's a really bit part oh yeah yeah. the idea of like this is not you can tell without ever saying it this is not why i got into science yeah (laughs) like what the hell is happening um she uh she's like you know those won't kill him and he says don't have to kill him just want to take away his memory or whatever it is no you
2: know? it's like um she's like oh yeah if you shoot him it'll just regenerate and he's like oh yeah but his memories won't
1: you know his memories won't you're like wait your plan is to shoot him in the head and make him forget things great
2: plan great plan
1: bullshit 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 but of course he forgets things and he runs away and this movie's shit and it had several post-credit sequences uh, on release um, in cinemas different cinemas got different credit sequences Um, the, the two most prominent ones are when uh, uh Striker is stopped from his never ending walk yeah. to be questioned about the death of uh, General Munson and the other one is uh, in the rubble the hand of the Deadpool the, the, the blade goes back into it it reaches forward his face is there the mouth has been cut open its eyes open the decapitated head's eyes open and it goes shh and then it fades to black. So they were obviously like people love Deadpool, let's set up the idea of a Deadpool movie. I don't think anyone wanted to see a Deadpool movie featuring this Deadpool. No. So I'm glad that never happened. But hey, Ryan Reynolds' love affair with the character continued and it eventually led to good things. Um I fucking hate this movie. It's really bad. There's nothing It perpetuates and... the myth that there is something that there is something to pursue in origin stories when sometimes lack of them is better yeah like i just show don't show how, showed, showed, showed how, how tell. <laughs> long
2: was wolverine a compelling character for in the comics without an origin story
1: so freaking long yeah. which is why it was so which is why it was so amazing that in like the early 2000s we got origin which they never said oh this is definitively his his childhood story no they were like this is just our take on it like you know maybe it is maybe it isn't and then at the end of House of M, that wonderful fucking moment where Wanda restores the universe back to how it is, removes a lot of mutants, though. Some remain. And Logan wakes up in that field and just goes, I remember. Yep. And then it ends. And you're like, what does he remember? What does he fucking what? What? And then the next time it's touched on a few issues like an X-Men later, it's like, I know where I came from. Yep. And you're like, oh, shit! Like, that was... It was big. Whereas in this, it's like eh, it would have been better if we had never found out. Another thing that would have been better if I'd never found out certain things about it is our next movie. Um, oh, I just want to say before um,
2: before hit me. Uh, we move on. One of the script writers on this was David Benioff, who, of course, along with DB Weiss, infamously dropped the ball with the uh, the end of Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. Um. Fucking hell. Screenwriters are. Uy, uh, David Benioff and Skip Woods. Oh, Skip Woods hasn't done much better.
1: Go on. <laughs> Go on. Hitman Agent 47. Hit a good day oh. to
2: die hard. The 18? Oh. That's decent. Well, the, um, the Liam Neeson version. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's fun. Oh. It's, it's big, dumb fun. Yeah.
2: Worked with uh, Hugh Jackman previously on Swordfish. Oh. Uh, Sabotage, directed by David Ayer. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. So, not So, no good. Uh, yeah, but well, Benny, fucking hell, man.
1: And the story by 70 different people. Well, the next screenplay was written by Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stentz. But uh, then Matthew Vaughn was brought on as director. Uh, having uh, not done X-Men 3, which we talked about last time. And when he did, he came on and did some rewrites alongside his writing partner after Stardust, Jane Goldman. Do you know Um,
2: what the turnaround was from hiring the writers to release? On First Class? Yeah.
1: Go on. 13 months. Shut the fuck up. No. 13 months to make First Class in its entirety. 13 months, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. It's amazing that,
2: it turned out as well as it did.
1: Yeah, that makes me sort of... Uh, that makes me admire the film more as a result, because it does not feel like a rush job. But I have to say, um, on re-watching it,
2: I like it a lot less than I did.
1: I Because it My has opinion's problems. never really shifted. Yeah, my opinion's never really shifted on this. To me, this is... If we're not counting the Wolverine spinoffs and the Deadpool spinoffs, to me, this is the joint best film in the franchise with X2.
2: Um,
1: um It's a uh, solid like 6 out of 10 for me. Like a solid 6 out of 10. It has big issues, but it does a lot more that I enjoy. And uh, But we'll get into it. We uh, X-Men First Class, so the Origins <coughs> series are scrapped and the franchise is sort of halted briefly behind the scenes. And mm. it turns out for at least two years, nearly two years, they do fuck all um before going quick yep. origin story yep um and then slight rewrites on the origin story when the director's on board um and they produce x-men first class which uh first class is usually referring to a book or different story arcs based around going back to the beginning of the x-men um, and the original team from the original run um this of course means that you're either going to go back to the early 90s of the timeline and talk about like early days of scott and stuff yep. or you go way way back to the beginnings of xavier's institute and that's what this is um we saw this together in hammersmith we totally in did 2011. we totally yeah. did i think it was the first time i went to that cinema because yeah, uh, yeah you, you took you took me there to see this and thor we saw all sorts of and uh captain america were captain america the first avenger yeah and the green hornet which i fell asleep for the last yeah, half hour of you didn't miss much <laughs> i know <laughs> shit but um, i don't hate yeah. the green hornet but it's not great i i hate it this is pretty fucking awful especially Fair. especially knowing especially knowing the other screenplays that were out there and that was the one they went with it's like yeah. fuck right off um but i remember enjoying this at the time and then i remember getting it digitally later in the year and watching it again going Huh. But since I've kind of plateaued out at 6 out of 10. um, Long story short, uh, a mutant terrorist called Sebastian Shaw is going to fuck with the beginnings of what eventually is the Cold War. Uh, No, sorry, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, he's basically basically going to
2: use the Cuban Missile Crisis to kickstart a nuclear war which will wipe out humanity and leave humans as the dominant species because of reasons. And
1: possibly possibly trigger more mutations because yes. this is the first film this is the first film to actually insinuate that the increased use of nuclear technology on the planet and radiation um is the thing that has led to mutations increasing yeah this is, the first, the this is the first film yeah this is the first film to suggest that oh mutants always exist but they're normally like one in every five million people yeah and now we're like one in every million because of your increased use well, of radiation. Going, going back to the original
2: comics, it's like it is explicit even in the original comics that Xavier was born a mutant, as powerful as he is, because of his parents' exposure to radiation, working yeah. as nuclear scientists.
1: Yeah, because Marvel was always your science boys. Like that was always their thing. Science was yeah. part of everyone's power set. And even when Stanley admits in the special features for Origins, that the reason they made the X-Men just they're born that way is because he and Jack Kirby were actually struggling to come up with new origins, yeah. but they wanted to do a superhero team about a school of superheroes. And they went, they're born that way. Sod it. And, yeah. and he said it proved to be the best and worst choice they ever made, because if they couldn't be asked going forward with a character in any book, they'd be like, they're a mutant. Sod it. They were born yeah, with those powers. They're a mutant. But then some t- sometimes they'd be like, oh... Right, we've we've run out of interesting ways to call yeah. an origin they had to force themselves to create more origins going forward for characters because <laughs> they didn't just rely on this get out of jail free card yeah there's a great special feature on origins with with uh, it was, uh lee ween and um uh, len, Wien. Len, Wien? Wien? Len, len ween len ween
2: lee
1: ween len ween len ween and stan lee talking about the creation of the x-men and the the eventual creation of wolverine and everything yeah and i was just like a, I could watch three hours of these two just bantering with each other. Yeah. B, I fucking miss Stanley. Oh, my God. I, I think Len Wein has also passed of, away since as well, isn't it? Not too long ago, yeah. But just that ball of yeah. positivity, self-deprecating, but also, like, fake egotistical. And even in this special feature that would have been recorded in 2008-2009, he's massively on the train of, this is Jack's baby. Jack created these things. I just put words in their mouths and gave him some ideas. Yeah, Len Wein passed can, away in th- 2017. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know, obviously, there's slightly bigger priorities that he would have had in his life, but I hope he got to see Logan. Like, yeah, one can hope. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. your creation is in this fucking masterpiece, which we'll get to in, like, seven specials' time. Yeah. Um, so next in first class is uh, Sebastian Shaw's taking advantage of the Cuban Missile Crisis to try and wipe out a bunch of humanity, and the only thing that can stop him are a recently graduated Oxford professor of uh, Sciences and Mutation... Charles Xavier and his adopted sister, Raven. Um, uh, A CIA agent called Moira McTaggart, who is investigating the case. Uh, Another character who, I I was like, the the guy who helps them, who runs his facility, I was like, what is the name of this character? What is he called? Uh, And apparently, let me find this, he is called, and I shit you not, I wish I was making this up, his name is... Is um oh, I can't find it on this list. Uh, his name is the Man in Black. <laughs> he doesn't have a name. <laughs> Even though he's one of the more prominent characters in the movie. Uh, Ma- man, oh, that's it, man in m- man, man in Black, in black suit. suit. Yeah. Yeah. Head of Division X, because it's called X for some reason. Because it always has to be X. <gasps> Yeah, and it's a shame because Oliver Platt, who plays him, like, has some really nice beats in there. I fucking love Oliver Platt, but yeah, him and that whole uh, sort of plot thread literally get dropped about halfway through the yeah. movie. He's and he's a, a like, function uh, oh. so that they have a base to play with. I, I That's think it. I think it's got the and then and then they and then they fuck off from the base anyway yeah. and go back to I, his I, I, I think at it, home. Is
2: li- <laughs> it is literally a whole chunk of the movie that serves no purpose other than to make the movie longer. Yeah,
1: like it's um, it, it and it then. Is, yeah, uh, and then and then even aside from that, the extra subplot of a movie that they absorbed from its pre-pre-production stage. Yeah, they swear the that other, they didn't the, use any of that script, but I, I refuse to believe it. Bullshit, because the best scene in the movie is the pace, the writing, the performance, the execution and the action of it is hands down something that has had a lot of thought put into it. Yeah, It's definitely been nicked from it, because the other main character is uh, former concentration camp um, uh, 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 victim um, Eric Lenscher, who is slowly making his way Mm. through Europe, killing former Nazis on the trail of uh, Mr. Schmidt, a.k.a. uh, Sebastian Shaw. Because, ladies and gentlemen, Sebastian Shaw's a mutant, an ageless mutant who absorbs energy and is played fucking wonderfully by Kevin Baker. Oh, he is having
2: so much fun. Especially X-Men in that,
1: fans it, rejoice the Hellfire Club of the villains. Especially like,
2: in that early scene where he's the 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 concentration camp doctor, and it's all yeah, in he's, German. He's,
1: his name is uh, his name is something Schmidt, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, where is it? 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 I'm trying to find it. I want, I want to get it right. Uh, oh my god! Where is he on the credits? What the hell?
2: I think he's just credited as Sebastian Shaw.
1: I'm sure that the, the, Oh no, yeah, I just want to find Oh, Dr. Klaus Schmidt. Klaus yeah. Schmidt. Yes. Because I thought the Schmidt um, might be a, a subtle nod to um unless it's a name they've used elsewhere, a subtle nod to Red Skull because obviously Johann Schmidt. Probably. I thought maybe it was a, a nod to him.
2: You know, he's made he's doing it all. It's all in German, but he's clearly having so much fun just oh. being uh
1: unrepentantly evil. The Magneto stuff up to the third act is the best thing about this movie. Honestly,
2: I fucking wish that this movie had just been Magneto hunting down Sebastian Shaw, hunting down Nazis, Nazis, yeah, and then coming into contact with Xavier, who sort of tries to steer him onto the path of righteousness but ultimately fails. Yeah, like, and that is kind of the core of the film, but yeah. Like X-Men Origins Wolverine, it gets bogged down with too many characters and too many subplots and too too much trying to do other stuff. Uh, It's like, so you get the titular (laughs) first class, the sort of young group of X-Men, they get together. And
1: there's some... The CIA CIA recruited team. Yeah. Led by Xavier and and Lencher and McTaggart. Well, Well, first of all, you get Mystique who now, it is revealed, has been Xavier's friend since childhood. Yeah. Like, Basically, flat out since Charles yeah. was, like, 13 and she was, judging by her mutant ability, either she's started de-aging, so she's, like, 12, 13 herself. Yeah. Well, younger than that. Like, the, the performer is, like, tiny. Yeah. So either she's, like, younger and has just started mutating, or, because this is the film that finally confirms that Mystique ages very slowly... Um, she could have been like 40 (laughs) for all we fucking know and looking like a a 10 year old Yeah, and (laughs) and continues
2: to do so even when she's uh, played by Jennifer Lawrence um, who was whilst like a child in her Uh, her
1: only invested performance as this character and even then it's not that
2: good (laughs) because I just don't think any of the Mystique stuff is
1: interesting no, if it was a different mutant fair enough, yeah but but then as soon as not somebody all... somebody who could personify the the break in between Xavier and Eric's yeah. ideologies, who we only have in this film, and maybe they lose them at the end, and that's the inciting incident that makes them both go, "No, this is my path." Yeah, like you could have had that. Now the the interplay with Mystique and Eric is interesting because you get to sort of this film is the first one to openly acknowledge that Charles is a dick. Yes, but like which I'm all Charles, all about. I'm all for that, but only if, like, you do something with that. X-Men 3 rushes through it. They rush through the idea that, like, oh, he just shortcutted the Phoenix personality in Jean by locking it away. Um, but it's sort of, it's within, like, a ten-minute span of that and him dying that you don't really give a shit. You don't really lean into it very mm. much. Whereas this film is like, yeah, he's a bit of a dick. And it's I I get that because, yeah, people are a bit of a dick when they're younger. And as they get older, they become more aware for most part, more aware and more and more considerate about the people in the world around them, um, which could have led to, you know, wise head teacher Xavier of the X Men that we all have in our head. Like you know, this is yeah. him growing older and getting the thing. But like, by the end of it, you're like, of course, Raven doesn't want to stay round and be his kid sister anymore. Of course, she yeah. doesn't. Yeah. He never pays attention to her and actually like he. He sympathises with her, but he clearly doesn't realise why she's upset because he doesn't ever have to hide. But then by the end, she's like, I shouldn't have to hide, which doesn't necessarily mean, and I'm now going to join that scary man. But like, but Again, you get you, know, so you get the tease of this relationship with Beast as another yeah, mutant who is also... in, in the, the film
2: is, is played quite nicely, I think, in the but film. On, so Sweet. the problem is, is hmm. that Beast is also a mutant that's uncomfortable at his appearance. It's only his feet, but he still has a problem with it, which is understandable. He has to hide his feet. Um, but hey, people got he, fish. you know, I know right? and he feels self conscious. But the, the the thing is, if if it, if it had been their relationship that had, had sort of helped her accept herself, that's mm. that's character work. It isn't. It's fucking Magneto saying one thing to her, and then all yeah, of a sudden and then, she's and then, fine. They,
1: uh, and then they fuck yeah. one night, and it's and it's like, like oh,
2: okay, cool. Uh, okay, that's the thing that happens, I guess. And it just kind of throws out the sort of empowerment and agency of that character.
1: But just here's, it in here's the, the odd part, because I know this is a big bugbear of uh, Keek's as well. We're talking about this on stream, weren't we? She was saying that like, the, the idea of the Xavier and Mystique relationship yeah. being revealed as a thing that is then retroactively damages the previous movies because it's like, Is he not going to acknowledge that he knows her? Is she not going to be slightly hesitant, like harming his friends? And the more prequels
2: they make and the more changes they make, the worse that problem gets as you go along.
1: Now in the behind the scenes for this one, Matthew Vaughn and co make a big point of saying, this is not a prequel. They're they're doing their own thing. This is their take on the X-Men universe that they can then go on and expand on and change and do what they want with. And I'm like, Okay, so if I if I now think about it in that context, that makes more sense. Sure, if this because was the first ever X Men movie, I'm like, cool. Because you've also great, got the awesome. McTaggart. Great, awesome. Like problem. you're setting it in the past, and you can, you can, yeah. Because Moira McTaggart in number three is like a scientist in her a doctor and scientist in her fifties, in the late two early mid to late two thousands. Yeah, and yet here she's a CIA agent in her thirties. Like, late 20s, early 30s. And he's American. In, six, in 1962, which means that McKellen and Xavier's characters... M- McKellen's character in the originals is roughly, if you place them in the 2000s, is in his early 70s, which McKellen wasn't quite yet, but, no. like, sure, fine. Okay, that's fine, because they don't ever make Magneto appear young in those ones. He is an older man. Yeah. Fine. And Xavier is implied to be about 10 years Erics Jr., um, or thereabouts or maybe based, based, on, the time, based on the timeline fuck. maybe or based on the timeline Eric is in this movie in his early 30s yeah. based on the timeline which he has to be because Michael Fassbender is a handsome man but has always sort of looked like he's older than 35 yeah. but has always looked older than also, 35 also question did it, the footage of him in which would also make it also makes sense because it means Xavier's graduating in his late yes. teens early 20s which yes. which which for, for, which for a university.
2: PhD yeah it makes sense uh, for early yeah. 20s would make sense for a PhD. Yeah. Like 25. Um, McAvoy, by the way, is a handsome fucker. In this movie. Oh, McAvoy. Yes.
1: Love McAvoy.
2: Yes. Charming and handsome and a dick. Uh, the character, not McAvoy. Yeah. I don't know if James McAvoy yeah. is a dick. I don't think so. Uh, I've not heard I've, him. Ne- I've never heard bad stories to yeah. great about him. He's, um, always been,
1: he's always been a lovely fella. Uh, so, uh, the pro uh, Question. Question. Tell uh, me what you think about this. Hit me.
2: Uh, the footage... At the beginning, with young Magneto at the uh, the uh, is it Auschwitz or is it another concentration yes. camp? Yeah, It's explicitly Auschwitz. Yeah. Is that restaged from the original film, or they're a reused some footage? Because because the yeah. child actor's is different, isn't it? But it's a very yeah. cl- Re- it feels like a very close restaging thereof.
1: In yeah, which case, the idea, prequel- yeah. the idea of it being yeah. a prequel, the
2: idea of yeah, oh yeah, kind of
1: goes out the window. Well, I think the idea is that's the point of diversion. Okay. Like, it's almost like they're going, we're starting again. Uh, and they're using that as the springboard moment. But I know what you mean. It's the film was advertised as a prequel. Find out the origins of the X-Men. And in a world where no superhero franchise at that point had been rebooted. Mm. Um, I mean, Batman, yes. But like the 66 movie was a spinoff from the TV show. Like, you know, it, it it's at this point, I actually know that one, one superhero franchise had been, no, two. Two had been rebooted in this time. Batman, into the Nolan-verse, mm-hmm. and Hulk. We'd had Ang Lee's Hulk in 2003, and then The Incredible Hulk yeah, in 2008. Yeah,
2: yeah, but course.
1: even then, the 2008 Hulk makes loose allusions to the events of the 2003 one. Very loose, but yeah. Yeah, and was never explicitly called a reboot when it came out. It was just a new Hulk movie. Yeah. And you're like, okay. It was never called a sequel, but they never made a point of saying it's a fresh start. And they sidestepped um,
2: the origin stuff, so...
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, you see it in the credits, and the machine he sat in is vaguely similar to the one from the two thousand and three yeah, movie. So yeah, It's sort of like that loose. How are we playing this? The same way Batman Begins was still sort of like you—you you could, if you wanted, believe that that happened before the the first Burton movie, if you wanted. Like, obviously, time you'd have and to do a lot of mental arithmetics, um, Yeah, like, yeah, but it, but it doesn't logic, but it doesn't, logical, but it yeah. doesn't like it doesn't like massively contradict anything that comes later. No. no like, the no, next no. film obviously does because the next film's like no fuck it, this is Harvey Dent. That's yeah. the Joker. This is what this means. That's what this means. Um so but this is the first time where like it's it's a if they intended it this way, it's a shame they didn't make that clear because the casting of uh Hugh Jackman in a very very fucking funny throwaway cameo yeah yeah um confirms that this is sort of confirms in your mind this is the same universe as what we've been in for the last four films um these characters look the way they do in the last four films like mystique in this it, yeah it follows like the same design cues the other ones yeah, yeah. nice cameo with rebecca remain as well yes. i think that's quite funny yes. when the, she's transformed in, in eric's bed yeah in eric's bed she transforms like sort of like not like this because he's talking about yeah i'd be intimate with yeah. you but not like this so she transforms into an older woman and it's Rebecca Romain. It's like, that's a fun cameo. Yeah, that the, is the genuinely first, a fun cameo. The first thing he says is maybe in a few years. Yeah, maybe in a few years. And she transforms yeah. into Rebecca Romain. It's like, oh, it's funny because a few years ago, yeah, this yeah. was who was playing her. Um, and also Rebecca Romain. Um yes. And then he's like, the real Raven. She transforms back into Jennifer Lawrence. And then he goes, the real Raven. She goes, blue. And we get the most memed moment of this movie. Um Perfection. I think some of the origins of X-Men staples, characters, uh, technology is viable in this. Like, I like the idea of the X-Jet. The X-Jet was an off-the-books supersonic jet prototype that Hank McCoy created. But it's clearly just an SR-71
2: Blackbird. Like, that's what it is. Yeah.
1: But after (laughs) after the base is destroyed, the man in black suit's base is destroyed, all this, that, and the other, and they're all off the record... Sure, that plane's unaccounted for. Fuck it, they take it and they sure, go. Sure. Like, and and then they've got it. Hank can run it because he created it. Um, Cerebro is is. It doesn't contradict the thing that Xavier and Magneto created Cerebro together because Hank creates it, Xavier develops it, and it's Xavier, Eric, uh, Hank, and a little bit of of. Um, monica in my life yeah yeah no but like they develop it together like the first use of it and then they they perfect it over the course of them finding more mutants yeah so it's like sure some of these things fall into place and it makes sense but then there's weirder shit um the obvious one is the crippling of charles at the end of this movie because in x-men 3 and x-men origins we have seen 1980s and 1990s xavier Walking, walking round, played by Patrick Stewart. Yeah, um, good old piece, too. I think it was included. Now, again, if you think of this as a brand new continuity, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But it ain't because you keep telling us it isn't with other things in the movie.
2: Yeah, and I think that sort of ambiguity slash, um, uh, am um, uh, what's the word? Um, ambivalence.
1: Yes, to
2: continuity is sort of it's a real problem if you attempt to connect these movies together. Watch you it in can't isolation. You, yeah, you can't invest in it as a franchise. You watch it in isolation. It's like, oh yeah, it's a pretty good movie. It's fine.
1: Uh, Magneto then, gets his helmet because Shaw developed a helmet to defend himself against yeah. telepaths. Great. Except in yeah. the first X-Men movie, Xavier references it's the first time Eric's ever used this thing and he thinks it might be blocking his powers. Yeah, he doesn't know what it is. So yeah. it's
2: it's really poorly thought out in that sense, and then it just continues. We were to, we were friends for years as a franchise. We started on. the
1: school together and we were friends for years, except we weren't we were friends for maybe nine months and then I fucked off and yeah. became a terrorist. Yeah. Um, um, but then he doesn't get, yeah, man, all goes back and forth. Before like, before we do, before we do a character rundown, um, any set pieces or anything that you really like? I love Azazel killing CIA, CIA agents by teleporting yes. like 50 yeah. feet above the base and then just dropping them and then getting higher and higher. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a in. cool use of the, of, of his powers. Um, yeah. The first time Banshee swoops in to save the day using his wings and his scream in the final set piece is very fucking cool. Yeah, I just
2: like Banshee in general in this movie, actually. I think, again, yeah. because there's too many characters, he's underutilised, but... Everyone is, actually, yeah. They're actually, all Actually, actually a pretty
1: decent version of that character. Um, I, hate, I hate how clever they think they're being that the CIA guy, one of the two sceptical ones, is the dad of William Stryker. Yeah, hate that. It's like, why? That That makes Stryker way younger than he is. Like, this is weird. um, This is really fucking weird. You're making the universe smaller. Like, why are you doing this? Well, again, why make the female
2: CIA agent... uh, Moira McTaggart? Moira McTaggart.
1: Because they want her and Charles to do the naughty, which they don't do.
2: um, What do you call it? Lila... What's her name? Who's the actual X-Men's government liaison. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Or you know, just make up an original character, like doesn't make
1: sense. Um have a, be li- have uh, a be, I I uh, like I yeah. I like the showing of Shaw's powers. I think it's a really visually interesting way of doing it. Like he 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 absorbs and redistributes energy. Like that's his power, but it's not necessarily yeah. kinetic. He channels it into different things, like one of which is containing other mutants' powers, like and holding them for a moment. Yeah. One of them is de-aging, like he's able to extend his own life, uh, which is why he was around as Dr. Schmidt in in the 40s. And, and hasn't aged and, a day. And, and, you know, hasn't aged a day, but like he, he, his look changes with the times. They find a really nice... I think the design in this movie is nice. Like, I like the X flight suits that basically look like the ones from Grant yeah. Morrison's run on X-Men. Uh, it's the first time they have costumes where you're like, oh, that's like the comic, yeah. That's good. they a bit takes, more flight suitie, but they look like the comic. Also, takes
2: more than a few cues from like 60s James Bond stuff. Yes, I which like that. I, 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 the, with, the design oh, of Shaf Yvonne does because he'd, he'd later go on to sort of revisit that well but, with Kingsman.
1: Apparently, his first choice for sure was Colin Firth. Yes. But it was a scheduling yeah. conflict. And uh, Brian um, Cranston was, so, was going to yeah. do
2: it at one point, but he
1: decided to go and do Drive instead. Oh, fair enough. Um,. um so, uh, like, that's good. Shaw's outfit and the way the Hellfire Club looks fucking great. Yeah. Like you see, you seeing the initial Hellfire Club in Vegas. Yeah. You sort yeah. of you're like, okay, that's the aesthetic. Like, you know, is is two is two fucking uh, henchmen, uh, Azazel, and uh, Riptide. The other one Riptide. Riptide. Like yeah. their design is good. They look good. Um, Riptide's deep fucking cut, which I appreciate. Yeah, um, like fair enough. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a mutant who you're not developing the character of, put in someone that the comic fans will go, oh shit, is that them? Although oh, correct cool. cool. me if I'm wrong, he doesn't have any dialogue. No, no dialogue. No dialogue. And There's also think... Alex, Alex Gonzalez's uh, first English language movie. Mm. Um and they he's a Spanish actor and they wanted uh they wanted him. He usually plays good guys and Lotharios and handsome like leads in Spanish films. Yeah. Um so they kind of like he, he he apparently relished the challenge um I can't find the quote but like he, he talked about the fact that he he liked the fact he was getting to play a baddie but still yeah. sort of have that suave vibe because he, he looks he's a fucking handsome guy holy he shit, looks man, like yeah. Who, who's that dude stood nearby what's he doing holy shit he's creating a tornado Yeah. which based on which scene it is either looks really weird or looks quite good Yeah. but you know um there's some Emma Frost design Emma Frost yeah Emma Frost's signature design makes sense based on her her roles within the movie. We'll fucking get to her, though. And Shaw mm. looks fantastic. Like, he just... Every outfit, Bacon wears it and looks amazing. Even when he puts on the stupid bastard Magneto helmet, you're like, sure. Especially sure. when he puts on the stupid bastard Magneto helmet. <laughs> Kevin, Bacon's, Kevin Bacon's very distinct nose, <clears throat> t- the tip of his nose yeah. touching the, the spike of the helmet. It's just sort oh. of like... It's like it was made for you. <laughs> I don't really like the uh, the way they visualise his powers. I like
2: that. Like well, I, 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 I like the sort of. I get the, the sort. I I guess they're kind of going for like a vibration idea. Like he's yeah, absorbing yeah. the vibrations of the energy, but it just
1: looks like he's splitting into multiple versions of himself. It just looks odd. Um I, I liked it, but I think it's because I think I like the balls on them for just making it look so visually distinct. Yeah, even I though mean, it's weird. Given that, that's you don't you don't forget it, and I think that's why it's yeah. why it yeah. why it wins. Because it's just sort of like um, that's fucking strange. Yeah. I think that's... it's cause otherwise any any other person might have just made it like they glow for a moment and then yeah. settle down. Yeah. Whereas they were like, no, fuck it. His arms are containing a gr- grenade explosion and you see all these like I don't know. <laughs> I, I quite like it. No, I yeah, just okay, blow yeah. through the Let's blow through the characters real quick. Uh, oh, before um, we
2: do, I've got to say, I think this movie has a real problem with the way it treats anyone who isn't white.
1: Yes. Oh, well, we'll get... Well, there's one very distinct because, case of that and we will yeah. get to it. Yeah. Fuck that, him, yeah. This is...
2: Um, it's like, oh, oh, oh. It's very... It's not, yeah. it's not cool. No. But, um, uh,
1: so, uh, Glenn Morshower dips out of the Transformers franchise to basically play the same character as Colonel Hendry. Yeah. A fine job. All that sort of, all that uh, sort of
2: military um, CIA-like characters. It's just all a bunch of interchangeable crusty old white dudes who have like, they're fine as actors, but I'm just not interested in any of them.
1: Raid uh, Serbedzjar plays the Russian general, yeah. who has fun in the Emma Frost scene in particular. Like he gets to yeah, that's quite fun. kind of odd, yeah. which is fun um alex gonzalez as riptide fine just a but, henchman but gets no dialogue well like he's um, just a, a, a hispanic henchman yeah uh, well, yeah the, the problem begins now yeah first. uh matt craven is the cia director mccone yeah he's fine yeah um, again it's pie, just pie, it's interchangeable pe- it's pecan pie mate don't worry about it. it's yeah. pecan pie you'll have your lunch it's fine interchangeable um,
2: uh crusty white dude white like, dude. that's
1: Zoe Kravitz. I forgot it was Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. As Angel. As Angel.
2: Um, you know, another. In, sort in of, one of her now many superhero roles. Another non white uh, member of the first class who immediately defects to Sebastian Shaw the first opportunity she's given. Um, mm. Neat powers. But
1: yeah, she's um, got butterfly wings that appear like tattoos when she's not using them, and she spits acidic fireballs. Like, yeah, and and again, again, it's
2: another deep cut from X Men mythology, ain't that? That angel is uh, from Grant Morrison's New X Men.
1: Yeah, um, and he's uh, also known as Tempest. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, um, and he's barely I, in it. <laughs> but like, yeah, she's she's a cool foe, but it's just sort of a bit of a waste because you're like.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the the biggest
1: flaw. The biggest flaw with the first class, because the first class is, I guess, meant to be referring to the team that attack, uh, uh, that attempt the operation on the beach at the end. Yeah, but they're not. They're the group that are gathered at the CIA base, who are then quickly dispatched or split up. And it was like it would be nice
2: if the sort of the uh, the non-white sex worker would be shown to have some sort of moral fortitude. And not just do the bad thing as soon as possible. Like it's just, yeah. it's just not a good look. Like, the I, buy rest of her, your... I
1: buy her joining Eric at the end. I buy yeah. her joining no, Eric yeah. at the end. Buy that. But don't buy join Shaw.
2: Yeah, <laughs> just straight away, like before they even do anything else. Just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go do this because uh, this is hard. Um, uh, and the Caleb because... Landry Jones. Um
1: weird uh, sweater
2: Caleb Landry Jones who I really like yeah um, Banshee he released an album recently
1: this. go look it up folks oh, okay. Um, uh, he's Banshee he's, he's he nails it uh, he's, <laughs> he, he, he's quoted at the time saying he auditioned for it because I've got red hair and freckles I'm not going to be Batman, Robin or Spider-Man yeah <laughs> so fair. he just was like I mean I look fair. like Banshee fuck it I'm going to audition for Banshee he does look weird um, like I
2: don't know what Ke- Caleb Landry Jones deal is but he, he does just look Slightly too moist at all times. <laughs> like, no matter yes. what he's
1: doing, he's just. And he's always great. He's always, I mean, to, my favourite role of his still to this day is Get Out because he's just. Oh, he's really great in that, yeah, yeah. He's really, get out. That.
2: he's really good in that. But he's great in um, this, he's having
1: fun. His accent is shaky as fuck. Oh, <laughs> uh,
2: Matt, uh, Matthew Vaughan actually t- turned around and said to everyone, don't bother with accents.
1: Right, you can tell that they yeah, obviously like, filmed. Don't bother. They tell, you can tell they obviously filmed some scenes before we said to yeah. him, like, he, said, scenes he said that. Yeah, though, because like a couple of scenes, he's Irish. He said
2: to Rose Byrne, like, don't bother with, uh, don't bother with the Scottish accent for Taggart." And then James McAvoy's in the corner going,
1: "Ah." Uh, <laughs> oh, but then, I was ready to. Tea. I was going to like
2: do some phonetics over lunch. All oh, right, fucking, never mind. Me and Rose are going to go and do some more work uh, privately. Uh <laughs> <and> then, <laughs> Not casting any aspersions. <laughs> Uh, and then Michael Fassbender is just Michael Fassbender. We'll, like, we'll get just, to him. Just, we'll fucking get um, to him.
1: Um, Kevin Bacon as Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. Highlight of the film. Yeah. So fucking good. Fucking
2: great.
1: So great. Fucking great. Really good. Um, Edgar Thiggy as Darwin. He is literally wonderful. kill off instantly- the black guy first. Yeah. yeah. He's li- instantly compelling as well. That's what sucks. Yeah. And he's has instantly an, compelling. Has an amazing power.
2: Which they then immediately just ignore. So he adapts to survive. And then, but because somebody puts a bit of fire in him, he can't adapt to that and just dies.
1: What? Like, I mean, imagine if Darwin had been in the final set piece. Like, he would have been swimming through the water, stopping the missiles. Like, just. But But no, this team has to be white.
2: This team has to all be white. (laughs)
1: Aside from them committing the heinous black guy dies first um, Fuck trope. Me. Uh, it's even worse for ED specifically because this was his second bite at the X-Men Apple. He'd previously auditioned for Agent Zero in Origins. Ugh. They were auditioning him for Banshee in first class. Um, and then they cast him as Darwin. So that's creepy. Because that means he auditioned for Banshee. They were like, we don't want him for Banshee, but we do want him because he's great. Like we've auditioned him twice for roles. Like he's great. I know. Let's cast him as the character we kill off first. Mm. It's, that it's suspect. That is really just... suspect. Yeah, it
2: sucks. It I fucking think, sucks. I think because he's of these, some instantly like the this production team might be might have some racial bias going on. I'm not saying they're racist. What, based, but what based some, on their other works? I don't know what you're talking maybe, about.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, maybe someone unconscious... Lucas Till. Generously Lucas Till as Alex Summers. Racialized. Yeah, Havoc's, fi- Havoc's fine and bland and fine and whatever. Like, yeah, he's fine. fine.
1: Um, Lucas Till gets more to work with in the next... What, is he in the next one? Years, is, not he? No. Is he in Days of Future Past? No, he's in Apocalypse. No, he's in Days of Future Past. Um, Briefly. He's in Pass. He, he gets more to work with in those. He plays the part well. Um, no, he's, the not, continuity he's not in is Apocalypse, already getting... I don't think. Yeah, because he gets killed in Apocalypse. Oh. He's at the mansion. He dies and the mansion explodes. Because Quicksilver saves uh. everyone except he misses Alex because he doesn't know that he's in the mansion in, in Cerebro. Uh. Yeah. Um. Like he's fine. He's a good actor. Uh, uh, he's Scott's younger brother. Normally, I guess he must be his older brother or distant cousin or something in this continuity yeah. now. But whatever. If you're thinking, if you're thinking of the film as its own continuity, sure. Because if they'd have carried on not trying to adhere to all the previous movies going forward, we but could have again, found out that he has an older brother called Scott. But visually, do you know what I mean? Like they could have done that, but but
2: visually you have the time weird. where his his energy power looks yeah like. Scott's eye beams.
1: And also for some reason sets fire to shit because the filmmakers have never understood Cyclops' power ever.
2: No, I think Fuck. I think Havoc's power is like energy. So it's not just yeah. concussive force, it is you can burn shit. Mm.
1: Yeah, like it's I th- usually I think, blue
2: though as well. Oh it is usually blue, but yeah, but, but that's what I mean. They deliberately do that to tie in visually with Cyclops' eye beams. Um, yeah. so it's it's weird in that in that sense um and just yeah just again it's fine it's just but it's just like generic not very interesting white dude mm. and when um and you just killed off Darwin so you could keep fucking havoc around
1: what Jesus. do you think of blue dudes uh, red dudes even because Jason Fleming is hazel
2: I like Jason Fleming he doesn't get much to do in this <laughs> apart from look weird and plastic but
1: yeah again it's more a deep cut and and it, it's a shame because they absolutely, if they were going the prequel route, it's a shame they didn't develop him a little more or at least imply that him and Mystique sort of had like a, hey, hey, just a moment. Because then you could leave it up to the viewer's imagination and they could be like, are they Nightcrawler's parents? Yeah, but like, they're already you
2: can... busy setting up Mystique with at least three other male characters. So oh, don't, don't. don't you don't platform. want to do
1: that, do you? Uh, Nicholas Holt, speaking of, as Beast. Nicholas Holt is
2: fine. I like Nicholas Um, Holt, but I don't like him in any of the X-Men films. I don't care for his Hank McCoy. I don't think he's a good Beast. I don't like his Hank McCoy. The Beast makeups are always terrible. They sort of try and do Cat Beast in this, which is my favourite Beast design, and it doesn't work. It's better than the later ones. It's the
1: best of... It would have been better had they got to his lab, and instead of it being trashing and being like, meet me at the air hangar, yeah, they get there and there's a fucking big blue cat creature in there screeching and tearing things apart and they have to work together to subdue him and they kind of like calm him down and bring him back and he's like oh my god what have i done do you know what i mean yeah. like he because at least then you'd be like okay and it's that whole thing of like the mutation will settle over time like right now we need you there's a fucking missile crisis about to ha- do you know what i mean you yeah. could and and then he's not the pilot or whatever. He's the man in the chair who like fills them in on what they're doing and he needs to stand back. And then you've got, cool, we have the whole extremes and he's learned his lesson about embracing his appearance. He shouldn't have to hide because of who he is because now he can't. And, it, you know, whatever. It's mishandled. It should have been in a different film. Except but... he can in the next one. But again, we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, yeah. Oh, and it was A.D.R. who designed it. Oh, guys. Come on. No. No, yeah. no, no. It just doesn't work. No, it just doesn't... Cat, Cat Beast is great. Doesn't translate to live action. No. Um, Not like this, anyway. If you want to talk about a fucking car crash of a character adaptation and performance, January Jones as Emma Frost.
2: I like January Jones as a performer, but in this, she just doesn't get that much to do. The character isn't particularly evocative of Emma Frost. It, it's not Emma
1: Frost. Matt, um Matt, Matt 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 Is she a good actor? She's very good in Mad Men. Yeah, but a lot of actors are very good in Game of Thrones and they're not in anything else. Is she a good actor? I think cuz so. this was for the longest time my only exposure to January Jones. And if I had to nominate the worst performance of 2011 off the top of my head from that year, it's her in this movie. She's bad. Because it comes across as lazy, as well as, like, underdeveloped, as well as phoned in. It's it's just
2: oh, her she, entire she's technique. she's in the boat Can that we... rocked.
1: She's good in that. Yeah, she's all right in that. But, like, in this, she goes... She Her entire technique is she talks looking at people and then tilts her head and that's it that's the entire performance of the character watch every scene she's in at least once in each scene she just tilts her head and that's the extent of her performance that is it she's bad she also here's some interesting uh, bit of gossip for you and this is not attached to the performance per se but this sort of shows her work her work ethic um, which is what makes me question whether or not she is a good actor or not because okay. actor is not okay. just your performance it's
2: she's good in um the last man on earth as well but i haven't seen that so
1: fair enough we'll take um, Keith's word for that she uh she lied about doing uh prep for the show she was they paid for because they were like you're going to do some stunt work uh implying that maybe earlier on emma frost maybe had a bit more physical of a role in the fight scenes yeah she doesn't really do fight scenes it's more it's more um infiltration and 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 spying and things like that but um she the personal trainer was paid for she cancelled all the sessions without that in the studio now the excuse she gave was uh emma frost has quite the bod, which is very intimidating uh i'm a petite person i didn't want to go into a strict workout and eating regime Wow, you're cast in the role and the studio go right. Part of this means we need to make sure for insurance reasons you are fit as balls because you're gonna to have to put up with these things. Here's what's happening. This person's gonna work with you Monday through Wednesday. We're gonna pay because this is what happens, folks when when you have to change your body in a in a big budget film for any reason. Like bulk up on muscle mass or for insurance reasons prove a level of fitness for stunts or whatever it needs to be the studio pay for it they pay for a personal trainer, they pay for equipment, your technique is you'd rather do it in your own home, right, we'll, go, we'll buy you the little gym that will then be yeah. in your home for the duration of this production Like that is how it works, they pay for your food bills, they cover you because you are transforming for them to play a role in their movie so they pay for it um, she All this stuff was paid for, and she cancelled it all and didn't tell them. Because she was like, I don't want to do that. Which is probably why she doesn't have any big action set pieces in the movie. Mm. But she's still in the movie. Why wouldn't they have fired her then? Because that's ridiculous. She's wasted money for them. Well, not just because Mad Men was big at the time, and it's a get Uh, to have January Jones in your movie, but there are so many rumours back from 2011, if you go looking up for those articles that she and Matthew Vaughn were having an affair. Now, that's all hearsay and speculation, but when someone asked her about, oh, are you coming back to do Days of Future Past when the production was announced on that, she said, no, they won't be calling me. Oh! And, And Emma Frost is one of the many mutants from this film that they just, in a line of dialogue, go, oh, yeah, they died. They were killed. Yeah. 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 She also became pregnant during the production of this movie. Okay. So it could right. be it could be that the reason <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I just I, I got a sniff of this like when I was wow. doing my research after watching it the other day. And I was like, what the and I dived through and I read so much shit from 2011, 2012. and I was like, I mean, this is all speculative. It could be nonsense. Wow. We could be just projecting projecting rumor and this, that, and the other on her. But it's interesting because, as an actor, like I look at her, I look at the amount of effort she puts into this. I look at the the lack of effort and the lack of communication with the studio when it came to the prep for this movie. I think about the amount of money she was paid, so the amount of disrespect she's showing to the production process by like going, "Yeah, no, fuck that. No, I don't <clears throat> want to do that. No, I can't be asked. Oh, I'm just gonna film this performance in." I look at all those things and I think, "Why were you kept on the job, regardless of your profile? You, she wasn't one of the poster names." She was in the publicity, but it wasn't like and January Jones as Emma she's, Frost. Like it was she's just She's on you know, the poster. She's on next the poster. To McAvoy. But not, yeah. But it's not like uh, it's not like they sold it on her. She was part no. of that ensemble sale. So no, I'm like, no, no. they don't need you. They don't need you to sell this movie. You're just one extra incentive in terms of the marketing side. Why would you be kept on? Well, maybe mm. she was very friendly with someone who could make that decision. and... Maybe they were very mm. close. And maybe something happened that they didn't plan for that would have given away the fact they were very close. Ooh. And maybe that's why they don't work together after this. It's it's Ooh. weird. It's weird, weird, weird. I uh, it just I don't know. I fell down the drama hole in search of answers as to why she's terrible in this, but still in it. Mm. Speaking of speaking of terrible in their role, but I wouldn't say in this this is definitely the best performance from this person in the role, but it gets worse so much quicker. Jennifer Lawrence as Raven Home, yeah. aka Mystique.
2: The, the main problems with with Mystique's uh, part in this are not because of Jennifer Lawrence's performance. I think she's fine in this. It's the makeup looks worse than it
1: did in any of the other original three X Men movies.
2: Inexplicably, yeah. like it doesn't, it
1: doesn't, it doesn't look bad, but you're comparing it to three yeah. previous films where it looked better, and it, um, it's it's just questionable. And we know why now because it got out over the course of the neck of the sequels to this why the makeup looks worse. It's because during the production of this she kicked up a stink about the amount of time she was spending in the makeup chair. Well also apparently did
2: they give her blisters as well.
1: Yeah. She had a bad reaction to the makeup. She had a bad reaction, so they reduced the amount of makeup instead of like finding I guess alternatives. Um they reduced the amount of makeup. But then again, I can imagine why they didn't do that. Now, knowing what you've told me that it was a 13 month production cycle from inception to release. Yeah. So they probably didn't have the time to find alternatives. um, Which means that they reduced the amount of prosthesis used over the course of the movie for each additional makeup scene, which explains why it looks way less impressive in this than it did in the Rebecca remain appearances. Um, and as later films go on, they purposely work around it on Jennifer Lawrence's behalf because by the next movie, it's partially a costume with some makeup application mm. by the... So that's by Days of Future Past. By Apocalypse, it's a hair, it's a neck to toe costume uh, with just makeup applied to the head. And for Dark Phoenix, minor spoilers for Dark Phoenix, it's... Make up for a few scenes and in a couple uh because she's not in the movie a lot at all in a couple of others it's motion captured uh, it's digitally applied to her face so jennifer lawrence is like i want your money but i don't want to go through this now if it was a bad allergic reaction fair enough but like find another way around it don't let the design deteriorate so obviously yeah. because your actor doesn't want to wear the thing that they're being paid millions of dollars for it's it's an odd one. I sympathise with bad reactions to makeup, but like, find an alternative route. Don't I keep don't know up upping the pay of that performer if they're they not want, there to they do what you're the, asking them to do. They, they wanted the the box office routine. Hunger Games no. money. Yeah, yeah, that's what they, they wanted. wanted. That Hunger Games dollar. Yeah,
2: which you she's know. fine
1: in this though. She's fine in this. She's adorable yeah. in this. But like, um, the makeup
2: looks bad, and the the script isn't great. Her part yeah. in the script isn't great, so...
1: I mean, Mystique is, in, term, in terms of actually propelling the plot, she has no function.
0: Mm.
1: Like, in terms of the, the propelling of the, the, the actions of the film, the only time she ever does anything is where, at the end, she tricks the team and the bad guys into thinking she's sure for a moment, and that's it. Yeah. It's It's odd. It's really freaking odd. Yeah. Although there's something really adorable about her being in a mood, uh brushing her teeth in a robe. Like seeing Mystique in a fluffy bathrobe brushing her teeth and being a little bratty is weirdly adorable. Yeah, I suppose. it's it, toward the beginning and she's like just cuddles up to Charles and she's like, I'm sleepy, read me something. And he's like, I'm reading a thing on mutation or whatever. And she's like, I know, but that'll make me fall asleep. Read it to me. And she's just like it's she yeah. she comes across very little sister in the first half of the movie in a yeah, way that yeah. is really endearing and really and really sweet. Um but she's just She's just there because they want Mystique to be in the movie. Yeah. So they can yeah. go, hey, you like that character, right? Here she is again. Yeah. Um. Rose Byrne, she does a goddamn admirable admirable job as Moira McTaggart. But again, doesn't um, really get that much
2: to do. Like she runs around need in her underwear. <laughs> first first for a little bit. For yeah. no particular reason. Gets pushed aside by all the men. And then Listen believes Charles and then sort of just disappears for a little bit and then comes back at the end to be in a flight suit and then disappears again. Yeah. It's like she just doesn't She might as well not be there. Like you could you could cut half the characters from this film and have a tighter, mm. leaner, and more interesting narrative. And unfortunately, yeah. as much as I like Rose Byrne, you could do that with Admiro. And the film
1: wouldn't really suffer from
2: it. Mm.
1: It's just... Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's no
1: good. Yeah. I mean, she plays off nicely against James McAvoy as Charles Xavier. Yes, who is great. very good in this. And I adore him in most things. And he's brilliant. And in this, he's very good because, like we said, he's handling a character who's revealed to be a bigger dick than we believe them to be. Yeah. Um, But, like... His morality does drive what he does as the story goes on. And you can feel the pain and loss of losing his surrogate sister and losing his his new best friend, his new kid. This kindred spirit he's met, he's like, oh, my God, we were destined to meet. Like, because they do a good job of, like, truncating the Xavier and... and eric Lyncher relationship in a way where you're like if this is how it is in this continuity now sure yeah like, I, I buy it yeah it's just a shame that it contradicts the other films which you in your next movie are going to confirm a part of the same continuity but I, I, yeah i not
2: i absolutely think that the strongest part of this film is that relationship and yeah if if it had been more focused on that directly i think we would have had a more interesting film because for me, we, the best
1: thing... You
2: know, the fact that we didn't
1: is, is, is the film's biggest problem. Right. Because the best part about it, aside from their developing relationship, is Fassbender as Lencher. Like yeah. that story arc in the first two thirds of the movie. Um, his accent is shaky as fuck. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's all over the place. He's sometimes British, he's sometimes Irish, he's sometimes American. Yeah,
2: but again, I, I as, as I say, Matthew Vaughn just turned around to people and just said, hey, I don't bother with accents. So... Yeah, um, i I've I've you know, soured on Matthew Vaughn as a director significantly since we've started this podcast. Um, yeah, and, it's and, weird, examined, isn't it? and examined, some of his work closer.
1: It's 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 an odd one. I like Vaughn as a director, as a storyteller. where I'm like, what's going yeah. on here? Yeah. Um, especially when you realise it because his constant collaborator is Jane Goldman, who is very talented, but she sort of has fallbacks and tropes that are more apparent when she works with vaughn like um kick-ass uh this movie the first kingsman are all you could what you could package these those three movies together in a box set and you'd be like oh yeah they were made by the same people like you could feel it in the dna of them this is the most approachable of the three yeah um, to a wider audience but like they're clearly made by the, the dna is the same which means that all the same flaws carry across into them um, don't even get us started on the sequels. Um, mm. So, but the strongest thing in this probably wasn't even theirs. It probably was, despite like you were saying, what the studio say was the case. The strongest fucking scene in this movie absolutely existed prior to this script being put together, um, and it's it's the scene in uh, is it in Holland where uh, Magneto is on the trail of shore, and he goes to this place and he gets a beer and he orders a German beer. And the two Germans who were there are like, oh, yes, oh, it's a Bitburger. It's it's the best. And oh, like, yeah, oh, it's Argentina, it's Argentina I think it is. It's supposed to be Argentina. Argentina, there it is. Yeah. And he's like, so what brings you so far from Germany? And they're like, oh, uh, I was the first one says, I'm a pig farmer. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. basically there's these smug older fuckers who you're like. Yeah. They're former Nazis. They're Nazis. They're they're freaking retired Nazis who are on the lam who've escaped any justice. The other guy's like, I'm a tailor. My parents were and stuff. Like, where are you originally from? I'm from Dusseldorf. And it's that brilliant moment where he just goes like, oh, Dusseldorf, my parents are from Dusseldorf. So I'm from Dusseldorf. And he's like, oh, right. Uh, what were their names? Maybe we knew them. And he says, oh, they, and he's just sitting down just happy as you like while the score is working yeah. its best. The score for this is great. Yeah. The, the score for this movie is fantastic. Again, the,
2: the Any time that he's on screen, it is. Yeah.
1: Well, that's Magneto's like, Ma- on. Magneto's is those harsh, like bum yeah, bum, yeah. bum bum, those escalating, like really harsh notes. And Xavier's is that lighter, like dun 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 And then by the end of the movie, it's the same dun 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 with the mm. the different levels of it. It's like oh, they've merged. This mm. is great. Um, and it's in this moment when the score's just getting tenser and tenser and he's just smiling and he's like, oh, they didn't have names. Their names were taken from them by pig farmers and tailors. And he's just clinking the glasses and you're like, oh shit. And then he just casually turns his wrist over to reveal his fucking tattoo from the yeah. concentration camp. They both yeah. panic and Magneto, like a fucking badass, teaches Nazis a fucking lesson and it's wonderful. This is after it's a
2: scene where he's pulled the bankers fillings out. Yes,
1: which could have been way more violent, but I kind of like the fact that he lets him live because he wants he wants. Yeah. He, he's like, no, he's gonna be terrified that I'm coming back for him for the rest of his life. Yeah, like that's that's enough for me. Like, but that that's but scene that in whole, the, in this the whole pub thing of like,
2: just Oh! it's so it's good. Like, but,
1: was it blood and honor? Let's see which you draw first, or yeah. whatever it is. And it's like, oh my god, um, it's just it's oh, it's brilliant, and I love the thing. I love love the execution of Shaw. I love it. Oh, yeah.
2: Because it's, it, it's just very the
1: mirroring good. of the, the coin that Shaw gets him to move as a child to prove he has his powers. And he kills his mum because he realises... I like that idea that the Magneto's powers are locked in by emotion. Like, he has them. It's something but that so He of... needs a fueling drive and he believes it's his hatred. Yeah. Um, and his fear and, and anger. And by the end of the movie, like, Xavier sort of convinced him, no, it's, it's about belief like you really need to have a handle on your emotions it's about like you know pride it's about it's about honor it's about love you like to, you just need to, you need to push you need to and find the end, place get, uh, between uh anger and serenity uh
2: which yeah. as keek said is just any emotion
1: yeah pretty much <laughs> Just, <laughs> no, any default.
2: Emotion. You just find an
1: emotion. Eric, you need to find the default, um, <laughs> the default setting. <laughs> um, Basically, what you're saying is, what you're saying is Magneto, somewhere on his body, has a end of a ballpoint pen-shaped hole and someone just needs to poke the pen in it yeah. and it'll be fine. Yeah,
2: that's um, another exactly
1: one. Um, and then by the end of the movie, he's like, no, my hatred fuels it. That scene's great. He's great. The fact the coin that, it, that started all this is the thing he yeah. drives through Shaw's skull slowly and kills him. Because by this point, they've established that Shaw's basically indestructible. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but if we paralyze him for a second, and then I slice through his brain, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have killed him. Yeah, slowly. I'm going to take his helmet. I'm going to take his helmet. I'm going to repaint it. I'm going to look like 60s Magneto in the final shot of the movie. And then we'll never see this look again for some reason. Yeah. Um, which is a shame. He looks because really it was good. too beautiful got, for he's even, this world, Christopher. He's even, got, he's even got the little pointy crown. It's too um, beautiful
2: for this world.
1: Uh, also, when you're watching this movie, folks, if you have to revisit it, take a shot when you see Tony Curran. Yeah. <laughs> just Tony Curran just plays one of the CIA like, agents where, who gets killed by Shaw. Where there is Jason
2: Fleming, you will also find Tony Curran. True. It's yeah. just a fact of life.
1: Isn't it interesting? He must have been thrown so hard that he went through the ceiling because Shaw throws him in the air and he never drops back down. <laughs> it's
0: really weird. It's like why just is he, gets where stuck
1: is he? there he, he gets thrown up and he falls through time and he lands in uh he lands uh in the past of Asgard and eventually becomes Boar. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Good old granddaddy Boar. Um, yeah. Who then retires and becomes a painter called Vincent van Gogh? Anyway, oh, uh, um, no.
2: no more cannon welding, please. Uh, you might be and thinking
1: then the doctor not- meets Sherlock and their best mates. Um, oh, okay, let's <laughs> stop. Uh, you might all be thinking, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> you might all be you might all be thinking, hang on. There's only like tw- there's only like twenty minutes left on this podcast. Are they not going to go in depth on the next film, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? There isn't much to fucking talk about when it comes to Here's the, the Wolverine. Thing. Here's the thing.
2: I don't hate The Wolverine.
1: Neither do I. I think because the first two thirds are a fantastic action movie. Because there's really not much to hate.
2: It's like... <laughs> there's not much in it. There's like a minimal plot, a bunch of action set pieces, which are pretty good. Although I was watching the version on Disney Plus, so it was the, the, the theatrical cut, not the unrated cut, which restores a lot of the violence.
1: Right. Um, okay. So mine was a bit bloodier.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, okay. the, the, the the version of Disney Plus, which was the original theatrical cut, is essentially bloodless.
1: Oh. Like, it's weirdly bloodless. There's definitely blood in it. It's no winner as much as there could be, considering the injuries being done No, there's, to people, there's, like, there's it, blood in it. these things like, you know,
2: the dream sequence it's a, it's where a 12. he waits. It's a yeah. 12. So it's where, where he You know, you still get the opening where he, he's had sadly, his skin burned off a bit. Um, in yeah. the in the nuclear and you get the dream sequence where he looks down and he stabs Jean and she's bleeding, and um, you get you get stuff like that. Um, but it's things like you don't get blood spraying everywhere when he's cutting people up. In yeah, um, and I don't I don't know if uh, what it's like. Are, are there any limb removals in the
1: unrated version? If they are, they're quick and because they're a, they're quick non, and out of focus because a non it's in a twelve yeah. It's, oh no, it's a there is there it's, is an it's,
2: there is an unrated cut.
1: Oh, all oh, right, okay. Yeah, there well, is I'm a sort of the same unrated,
2: you, unrated cut. I watched the version that's on Disney Plus, which is the theatrical cut, which is a twelve, and it's just weirdly bloodless. Like not not completely bloodless, but like yeah, there's mean, no
1: blood. It's violent. Yeah, it's violent, but it's not gory. But he's stabbing people um, left,
2: right, and centre, and slashing at people, and there's basically no blood.
1: Yeah, it's like a like Power Rangers fight. Yeah, like they got yeah. they got swords, but no one's bleeding or being cut. They're just being hit by swords. Yes, yeah, it's just odd. Um, yeah, but it, um, let's let's knock off the good for this one. Yeah, quickly. I like the fact that it is pretty much an entirely, bar a couple of characters, Japanese cast. Yes, I love yeah. that, and it's a mixture of seasoned actors who are big in Japan, uh, newcomers. Um, so, basically, this film, James Mangold directs it, and it's a good-looking movie. Like, and, he does know, a much better job in Logan. He does a way better yeah. job in Logan with visual language. But in this one, there's some great visual, like, language. And, and the, the mise-en-scene of certain bits are phenomenal with the sound design and everything merging together. Like, the bullet train sequence is wonderfully stupid. Yeah. And it knows it is, and it's having a ball with it. And say what you will about the, this film's sort of blandness, but it's clear
2: that James Mangold is more interested in making a Wolverine movie than any of the other directors who've worked on the franchise have been interested in making X-Men movies
1: and X-Men movies. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is, for him this to is... then
2: go on and make Logan make so much more sense when you're watching this and you're going, I bet a lot of the things that are bad about this are things that the studio made him do.
1: Yeah. Like I, don't, I like the silver samurai robot. Right, the Silver Samurai shit. Yeah, like it's like what? Uh, th- um, for those who don't know, like Wolverine has a whole fandom separate from the X Men. Yeah, because he's he's had solo books up the wazoo for years, and like his 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 Rogues Gallery, while not touching anywhere mm. near the heights of say a Spider Man or a Batman, like they're significant. Like they there's some pretty interesting characters. Some Shiten dated, which makes them kind of fun. Like Cipher, for example. Cyber, sorry.
0: Uh, Razor Um, Fist.
1: Razor Fist. Then you've got got ones that are more sort of the Machiavellian people, like your, uh, what's the name of the Weapon X guy who uh, crops up again and again, the actual scientist. Dr. Uh, Cornelius? I think it's... uh, No. Something like that, isn't it? Maybe. I can't remember. Could be. I don't know. Um, And then you have your recurring, obviously, like, toughs and Heavies, like Juggernaut plays a big role in his stuff, and um, Sabretooth, of course, like... But the Silver Samurai is one of his, like, most distinct foes.
2: Well, the Silver Samurai um, f- f- pops up in X-Men before he pops up in Wolverine. Yeah, solo oh, stuff. He's, he's an X-Men if,
1: baddie, but... If after, I remember correctly, he, the, po- he pops
2: up the in the... After the Miller
1: and... Yeah. Sorry, go
2: on. <laughs> yeah, there's the Miller-Claremont-Wolverine in Japan miniseries, which this yeah. takes a lot of cues from. Including yeah. the opening so... with the wounded bear. Like,
1: that's... It's it's kind of after that miniseries, yeah. though like samurai gets more wrapped in wolverine's yes, because kind after, of thing out out because of that
2: miniseries that. is the x men go to japan for logan and mariko's wedding yeah and that's where you meet silver sam they meet silver samurai for the first time i'm not sure if that's his first appearance but that's that's where Could be. that's where he turns up with the x men that's that's where he sort of comes from in that mythology um yeah so yeah but, but he's,
1: he's 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 a very he, he embodies the whenever that character returns he embodies that era of logan's story yeah. which is so unique to him like you know that that miller claremont series is great because uh frank uh, frank miller illustrated it didn't he and chris Clermont wrote it and yeah. he wanted frank he wanted frank to work on it and frank wasn't interested yeah. in doing it he was like i just i don't really you know i'm just not feeling. and then they'd had this idea about like well the story set in japan and the more they talked about it the more frank miller went okay that's I mean, that's different. I've not done that yet. And it leads on... Eventually, like, he perfects that stuff really well when he when it comes to sort of, the assassins and the ninja aspects because, like, you look at his work with the hand on Daredevil and it's like, yeah, yeah. you're good. Like, you are good at this. Don't go yeah. crazy in the 2000s. Oh, wait. Um, mm-hmm. And it just... It's, it, it's a beloved part of Wolverine's mythology and even if people have never read it, they're aware that Wolverine I... had a period where he was in Japan and uh, I... that was part of his story
2: i absolutely adore the claremont miller wolverine miniseries it is yeah it's one of those things if you like x-men or wolverine at all you must at least read it if not own it it's so good yeah. um, um it's, and so uh, pivotal for that character as well because he would he was he'd become a more an increasingly popular character in x-men and then that was when you really got to spend some time in his head with his internal monologue. Um, and I think it's a and I think they were right to take as many cues from that for this as they did. The problem being yeah. is that they muddied up those cues with things like the silver samurai robot, with things like Viper, with things like let's take away his healing factor for because reasons. And it's like it it's sort yeah. of a it gets more. It could be a really straightforward plot, but they convolute it to the point oh, where yeah. you just don't really care about anything. That's, okay. So they want his. They want his healing factor, and they're gonna take it with this. Uh, but they can't take. You can't give it voluntarily. But and then I guess they've got this robot that they have built, which has drills in its hand that are exactly spaced to fit into the bone part of his claws. Because it can cut his claws off with its heated adamantium and. W-
1: what? It's but it's, like, also it's, just just so... like, <laughs> it's also just that thing of like. It's also just that thing of Yoshida is. So the film opens brilliantly. Oh uh, yeah, it opens yeah, yeah. with uh, the bomb at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. it's Nagasaki, Hirosh- Nagasaki, sorry. Nagasaki. Um it's phenomenal. Like it's a beautifully done sequence. It's terrifying and it's about Logan was clearly a prisoner and it it sort of ties in cuz this is a sequel to X-Men Origins like it's considered part of a trilogy. Well, it, it, it's, it's also it's... a sequel to X-Men 3. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, because, it carries on the narrative. Yeah. It's the first film to carry on the narrative of X-Men 3 since X-Men 3. Mm. Um and uh in it like he's it's clearly sort of set during that montage at the opening of of x-men origins wolverine yes at some point yeah, he's yeah. become a prisoner of war in this camp and nagasaki happens and this this soldier the yashida um like logan basically saves his life like he, he he keeps him covered during the explosion and saves his life and Yoshida goes on to become like a tech mogul and a communications entrepreneur and a philanthropist and yeah and and working in medical sciences and helping develop medical science and it's like his life was saved. He took his second chance at life and became something that helped develop and and recover his country yeah. and and that area. And he's also sort of a mix of tradition. Like he believes that you should always have one foot in the past. You should have you uh, one foot in the past and both eyes on the future. And it's like that's a great idea. Like learn from the mistakes of of the past. Uphold traditions. Uh, whilst also changing with the times when it's right and and looking to, you know, that's the next goal. It's great. So the fact that he's the villain is meant to sort of be a twist, but really it just makes me go, no, I don't fucking get it. Why is he the villain? Yeah. Why is he the baddie? I don't understand why he's the baddie. It doesn't make sense. Like, he wants to keep living, so Logan, give me, uh, let us experiment on you so I can get your healing factor and continue to live. He obviously anticipates that Logan isn't going to do that because he fakes his death... That night, after they've got Logan to Japan, um, after Viper has snogged Logan in his sleep and put a nanite yeah, thing in it. like him, really weird. That stops his healing factor because they want to stop his healing factor because they then want to attack him and get his DNA so they can create the thing. But also, because they know he might be a challenge, they create a silver samurai made out of adamantium, or at least like its blade is made out of adamantium, which they then superheat and cut the ends of his claws off so they can get his bone marrow. Because that's the... None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. And the fact that the silver samurai is just a mech suit for an old man to sit in is so disappointing.
2: Especially when Harada, who
1: is the silver samurai,
2: is in this...
1: Yeah. As just some yeah, like weird just, sort of
2: hawkeye standing.
1: Yes. Oh Jesus. Just oh. Um, uh, Mariko is fine. Like it's a bit it's a bit of the whole like falling in love with the saviour thing in this. It sort of feels, feels a bit like it only she, happens because it's a movie trope. She feels too young. Yeah, and it's if not she the was older of, um
2: it's I not the it fault of,
1: the fault of Tao Akamoto. Like this no. was her this is one of her first movies, and yeah. she's very good. But like you said, this movie establishes Wolverine's oldest as balls, and here she is yeah. with someone who looks about 15.
2: And it's yeah, like, what it is happening? It doesn't sit right with me because she felt too young. Um, uh, another,
1: another fairly newcomer at this point is... Uh, where's, where's the character? Um, uh, Rila Fukushima, who is Yukio. Yukio's great in this, yeah. Yukio is great, and this is her first movie oh wow this is her first movie she's she's a she's a singer she's a pop star this is her first film after this she goes on to be in several other movies in japan and in the states but she's mostly known for like a pop star and modeling work she's great aesthetically Mm. her function in the plot the fact that she's essentially the the she's essentially been used by Yoshida as well to put this plot forward like they you know she was not. She didn't want to be a part of it, so she helps out at the end. She's like, "Yeah, this is bullshit. Like, yeah. this shouldn't have happened." Um. Uh, she plays it well. Uh, where is she? Uh, Svetlana Kodchenkova as Doctor Green slash Viper. Fucking get rid! Not not the actress. Yeah, this is, is fine. it's weird. It's weird but, because she's not Viper. Yeah. Viper is um, Madame Hydra. Yeah who is the head of a Hydra soldier sect. In this, they use her name and a version of one of her costumes, and that's kind of it. Yeah. Like, and she's, then too, a, yeah. she's a reptile mutant who deals in toxins and can shed her skin. Like, if she gets fatally injured, she can peel her skin off and somehow not be fatally injured anymore. Um, Whatever, mate. Whatever. I don't think it, I don't think it's Svetlana's... I don't think Svetlana's performance is what makes the character feel so fucking stupid. No, I think she's doing the, the sort of smug, sinister villain thing quite well. But um, she's quite possibly the most forgetful supervillain yeah. in modern comic book movies. She's just not that interesting. Like, if, if you said to somebody, like, if you named every movie, every superhero movie that's come out since 2000 to someone who loves the medium. Yeah. I think this is the film they'd get up to after going like, yeah, fucking Absorbing Man. Yeah, fuck it, keep going. Let's do this. Come on, let's name every single thing. Oh my God, yeah. Uh, stick. Fucking let's go. Come on, I've got this. I'd, oh, I can't remember it. What, Silver Samurai? I yeah. guess? <laughs> Maybe? Uh, uh, They wouldn't remember Viper because it's just
2: pointless. Yeah, um, K. Just...
1: Jansen's nice as Jean Grey, but it, having done this marathon, it doesn't sit right with me because I'm like... Their relationship was never that deep. No, it never... He comes on to her a couple times. Then the third movie treats it like they're star-crossed lovers. And then this movie continues with that idea. And I'm like, no. No. Like, he perved on her. She was a bit, well, maybe. I mean, he's kind of handsome, this guy. And then that's it. That was their love life. That was it. It's That was it. So I, I don't buy... I like the idea of him killing Gene... He sort of takes it as like I'm I'm am an animal. Like I, this is where it ties yeah. into X Men Origins. He's like, no, I've always been an animal, despite the fact that he doesn't remember that battle with himself because it was before his memory was erased. But whatever, like it, you know. And I think the idea of her in dreams tormenting him is kind of great, um, but as a lover makes no sense. As a friend, sure. Um, uh, what was going to talk yeah. about? There's a couple of other things I wanted to mention before we wrapped up on this one. Um, I love the opening the bear stuff the, yeah. the bar and everything and the that, that, that is
2: a, that is taken from the, the the Claremont Miller stuff and he's very well done I and think
1: it, it it's the it's the most Wolverine he's been since maybe yeah. X2 in terms of acting like Wolverine as the, the character I mean not Smith yeah, because that's the thing yeah. Jackman's always entertaining in every one of these movies yeah he's just got charisma um,
2: like you can't yeah even when he's in he's bad a, movies you can't really take the, his charisma away from him there's a lot of actors like that and, uh, and he's a good example of yeah it.
1: he's, he's 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 a he's a he's a you know, he's a Dwayne Johnson. He's he's a he's a Gina Davis. He's like one of those people who just like if the film's shite, stupid, pointless throwaway, you still go, They were good. I really like doing yeah. that. Yeah, they were yeah, nice. Yeah. You know, um and uh you know, I, I Jamie Lee Curtis is another actor who like absolutely hits that. Whatever yeah. she's in, yeah, it's like, yeah, she was yeah. fucking great. And and Jackman's like that. Um but he's the most Wolverine in that moment where he's like, he stabs the poison tipped arrow into the hunter's hand and he's like, ask me where I got it. Ask me where I got it. And then he starts pouring like the alcohol on it. And the guy screams, he goes, where did you get it? He goes, funny, you should ask. And it's just like, uh, it's just that complete sort of, yeah, I, I, I've got you banged to fucking rights. I could pop a claw in you, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm just gonna sit here and torment you for killing a defenseless animal, you prick. And it's just, you know, it's. That stuff's great and I I kind of wish he I kind of wish he'd been um scruffy and beardy for the whole movie. Yeah, I like that look for him. Weirdly i i, I yeah. wish he'd like the most that they tidied him up is they maybe got him to do his hair in one of those buns at the top yeah and that's kind of the extent of him being tidied maybe the beard was trimmed but the fact I that think... they the fact they do him up and they make him look like he does in the x-men franchise yeah is weird because it's like why would I they, think... why, would they scr- why would they scrub him up and just make him look like he does in the x-men movies no one looks like this
2: no if they <laughs> if they'd have
1: yeah it reminded them... me of the Beast, the bit where the Beast at the tub in Beauty and the Beast when they're scrubbing him. That's, that's, that's the live-action Beauty and the Beast remake, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, concerned. That, is,
2: that, is a, that is a fun scene. That is a yeah. fun scene. I do quite like it. Just like, but, um, but yeah, and like, the so the first, early on the movie's like, oh yeah, I can see where this is going. And then it just gets lost in all these convoluted superhero plots. When it, you know, if you wanted to adapt the Wolverine in Japan, Clement Miller stuff, there's so much there about like honour and the animal versus the human, which is hmm. wonderful thematics for Wolverine, which should also be a vessel for like dealing with the guilt of killing Gene and all that kind of stuff. But they're not interested in doing that. They're interested in making a superhero action movie with a big robot and just uh, and that that's kind of where it loses its way. But uh, like for the first half of it, uh, it's just a really decent like solid action flick and.
1: If you all stop watching at the bullet train sequence, if you finish at the bullet train sequence, and then say in your head, and then he saved uh, Mariko, and everything's great. And then after that, it's just Then it's a better movie for it. (laughs) But... uh, And, like, the weakening of the healing factor is an interesting idea. Idea. Um, But scientifically makes no sense, because the last Wolverine film established that his healing factor is the only thing that makes him survive the adamantium process. Um, So taking away his healing factor would slowly kill him because he's got metal in his body that would poison his blood which the do have touched on they don't take it away they suppress it oh so it is still there but it's working oh there you go that makes sense it's working overtime because it's trying to keep him alive from all the metal in his fucking body
2: which which, and of course that's (laughs) been the case for a while as of logan obviously it gets back to normal at the uh, in this film but then, yeah. obviously, at some point, it get it starts to weaken. At the older he gets, At some point as he weakens, gets older, yeah. and then that's when it starts killing him. And also, yeah,
1: and this film's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's, fine. it's oh, the most. It's the most forgettable film in the franchise. Yeah, like, it's, there's nothing. But not because it's not because it's the worst. It's just. It's fine. not. A, it's not a train wreck like Origins Wolverine is, and
2: there is some good stuff in like the first half of it, but it just ceases to be interesting after... yeah despite
1: the fact that it also does something that the other films don't dare do which is have an incredibly unique natural real world setting yeah and something which films should do which is it's a star maker it doesn't cast a bunch of big name american actors in these roles it casts japanese actors in these roles yeah including some relative unknowns because it's like let's make stars let's make I... stars out of
2: this let's I... do it but I also think the best thing to happen with uh coming out of this is for James Mangold and, and Hugh Jackman to go, all right, well, we sort of had a go at making a, a character led, like, smaller scale Wolverine movie, but we did we didn't quite get the chance to do it. But I think we can convince the studio to go for it again
1: and then they got to go make Logan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this film this film ran so Logan could fucking sprint. Yeah, And, and I about think that, you know breath.
2: for for All the stick that this movie gets from being forgettable, I think when he's not having to deal with all the weird, um, like I say, giant robot, viper lady, genetic Hmm. stealing bullshit. I think Mangold's got some interesting directorial chops in this. Um, And actually has a bit of style about
1: it. There is something very cool about his claws being cut off and then at the end it's sort of badass that you sort of like... Forcibly grows back the bone and then stabs stabs him. It's like okay, yeah. so yeah, naturally, if you cut Wolverine's arm off, like somehow, but you can't because they had about skeleton. But if he yeah. didn't have a skeleton, you cut his arm off, it would grow back eventually. So here he is, literally going, Hurr! and bone grows back, and then he stabs him. I know they never explain it in the movies, but we can assume based on what we know that Magneto probably helped him get the metal yeah, back. Yeah, that makes claws. that makes perfect sense. Like it's because it's only his claws. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. But here's the thing as well. Um, Famke Janssen isn't the only person to reprise their role from the earlier movies. Lynn Collins briefly reprises the role of Silver Fox in Archive Audio mixed into the Dream stuff. Oh! Um, to the point where she gets a credit. Okay. Because, like, it's her voice. So they could have just used anyone as a stand-it. They could have used someone at the, the sound studio and just gone like, you know, uh, Jennifer, do you want to just record some line saying Logan in a voice or whatever? And now they went, fuck it, we'll use Archive Audio but also Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen in the mid-credits scene. Yes. Um, Patrick Stewart, the fastest wheelchair in the West. Yeah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Just... I also yeah. like the idea that Logan can apparently in approximate <clears throat> 2013 or later, because it's X-Men continuity, can apparently at an airport be like, uh, pat down, please. And they don't send him through the metal detector and they give him yeah. a pat down. It's like, what? <laughs> i'm sorry what that makes no yeah. sense they would just in the just comics up and go, actually guys i don't want to take my shoes off and i'd rather yeah. step around the thing and then go yeah sure fella that can happen
2: i, I think they address no. it in the comics a few times it'd be like he has a medical exemption card because he has a yeah. he'd be like oh yeah i've got
1: they, they do it in this film where they're scanning him for weapons yeah. and he goes put, uh, prosthetic hip or whatever yeah. it's like yeah, yeah that's quite funny um it's a cool little teaser because it does make you go "What?" Especially yeah. because you see um, whatever it is on the TV at the end. The um, it's the Trask Industries advert. You sort of Trask Industries. Um, oh, Trask,
2: whatever it is. Yeah, Trask and we something. knew
1: at this point, we knew at this point publicly that there was another X Men film coming the year after. Yeah, featuring the older cast returning. So. At the time of release, this mid-credit scene was kind of interesting because it was like, oh, mm. we're getting a hint as to the beginnings of the next film. Of course, the next film jumps way fucking ahead of time uh, from this moment and fills in no gaps, uh, which we'll get to next time. Because, <sighs> yeah. So the next time we have a special, we'll be touching on uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. Which is going to be interesting because my memories of watching that were, yeah, it's pretty cool. And since thinking about it, I'm like, is it though? So I'm looking I wa- forward I the to the it.
2: And then I watched the Rogue cut, and I think I liked it less after having watched the Rogue cut.
1: Do you own the Rogue cut? Not anymore. Okay, I was going to say a, when it, we do the when was it, it a victim was a of the casualty. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe for the best. Like, it's not on Disney
2: Plus. The only what the, the it's the, the um.
1: It's the theatrical cut. Theatrical. I was gonna say, if you had the road cut, it would have been interesting. But you've had that perspective, so you'll remember yeah. some differences. So we'll talk. Also, about first that. class isn't on Disney Plus. It's not. No. How which did you is, get? Did you have to rent it on Amazon. On, no, right? it's on Now TV. Well, I'm upset because um, Days of Future Past is next, then Deadpool, which spoiler alert for our next X Men special. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, I'll yeah. happily talk yeah. about it. Um, and then it's X Men Apocalypse, which. We saw and reviewed since, um, or at least talked about since our podcast yeah, started. Yeah, because I didn't
2: see it. I skipped it at, at the cinema.
1: Yeah, but I'll it tell you the this the first one now. that I skipped. I not only fucking hate it, um, it's not on Plus or, um, or Netflix or Prime, <sighs> which means I have to rent, at the very least, X-Men Apocalypse yeah. to talk about it, and... I hope you're enjoying these episodes, guys. To make it worth my while, yeah. do us a favour yeah. and support the show on patreon.com slash big damn cast. Throw some shekels to make up for the pain I'm having to have of parting in a year where my career has taken a massive blow because of a pandemic. At least make it worth my while by supporting our show. Um, you can also, of course, support us in other ways by telling people about the show. Uh, joining us on YouTube, Big Damn Channel for our content. Emailing in, BigDamnContact at gmail.com. And uh, following us on Twitter at Big Damn Cast. We're also Big Damn Streamer. That's right. Also in your mind. We're also the next stage of human evolution, and you better freaking accept it. We are the future, because... Charles. Not them. <laughs> Not them. They no longer matter. <laughs> We love you all to bits. Don't watch the two Wolverine films. Watch First Class if you're feeling nasty. We love you. Bye. Say bye, bye, Matt. Say bye. Bye, Say bye, boy. Bye, boy. (laughs) Uh,
2: Bye. Bye, good.